All right, guys, we are live. Sorry, many apologies for the last minute delay. Actually, the names are scuffed, but I'll sort them out in a second because uh, <laughs> we've had last minute substitutions. We've had uh, panic searching and we found the greatest guest that we could find uh, pretty much ever, really. So let me introduce my cast before we get right into it. So mis misnamed as Daniel Fenner in the bottom right is my man, Nate. So Nate, what up? Thank you for subbing in. Hey everybody, my name is Daniel. It's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> now we have in the bottom left for his debut in the podcast, not Avril as he's named, but instead Daniel Fenner. Dan, how you doing? Hey, what's up? I'm doing good. The current lead Kiriko main that everyone is uh, hyped about. So I'm, I'm waiting for Dan to get into ranked on that. And of course, a regular the podcast with the correct name and a great background is EVA in the top left. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. As always. Yeah, I think Avril is sleeping chat. I think that's just how it is. Okay, so it has been an eventful week in many, many ways. Not only since we last spoke has the Overwatch 2 Fable launch begun, um, but it's begun with uh, not a bang, but a whimper. Let's put it that way. It's been a little bit scuffed. I don't think even the devs would uh, dispute that it hasn't gone the way they wanted to. So before we get into it, discussing uh, the launch issues, the bugs, the alleged DDoS, Amongst the other things as well, we'll be talking about the battle pass, the skin prices. EVA has a list of gripes that we'll get into as well, such as stats being gone and uh, many other things. UI, UI changes, the currency system. So there's a lot to discuss. But before we get into it, I just want to get a rough idea where all my guests stand on their feelings on the, on the game right now. So starting with my man Nate. Nate, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel about the game right now? All right, man, I had to go first for this one. <laughs> Um, all right, so I've been looking at the game in like two different ways, like the actual gameplay and then the game as a whole. So I feel like the gameplay feels finished, but the game itself doesn't, if that makes sense. Um, and so I almost like rate them as two different things. Um, like the gameplay for me is basically a 10 out of 10. Overwatch 1 was my favorite shooter game ever made. And so obviously we're going into Overwatch 2 where it's more of a focus on older Overwatch, which felt more like a shooter and less ability kind of bs ability spam like kind of turned into so i'm very happy with the gameplay element but i'm actually quite shocked at how bad the menus the ui layout a lot of that was wrapped up i think this was pretty clearly they set a date at whatever point and they're like all right whatever we get done by then that's going to be you know that's what ships instead of typical or old blizzard i should say which was we're going to finish the game and then we're going to release it and that's how Overwatch 1 released as well. Overwatch 1 was like polished on day one, where this one is still a work in progress, which is a shame. Um, so if I'm rating gameplay, it's a 10. If I'm rating, uh, I guess, technically the game as a whole, uh, including the menus and everything, I would call it more of a 7. I'd like to see the more polish come, which I think will happen. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Now, this might be funny. That competitive screen, if you guys have started queuing competitive yet, like when you find a match, that thing that shows up, it's kind of laughable, honestly. Maybe controversial, but I, I think it looks unposhed, but good. I think it looks cool. Okay, yeah, and that's totally fair. Um, but obviously, that's not like hurting my gameplay experience, so... Right. You know. Um, yeah. But it's... No, go ahead, no, the finish, last, finish uh, last thing I was say, just little things like scrolling through the recent players list. You have like the far right names like bugged, and they're static, and they're not moving with the rest. Um... You know, I, I'm having such a hard time inviting friends sometimes because it says they're in a different version of Overwatch, whatever that means. Because um, I just learned for the first time yesterday 
that if you type in the chat slash invite, and then like I was trying to invite Frito to a match, that's how you can actually invite someone without needing to go through the friends list, which is cool. I never knew that. Um, oh, yeah. Me too. Learn something. Yeah. Polishing out all those things. Overall, I know PVE is supposed to be like the big Overwatch 2 thing that's like new. I'd say now it feels like I'm more playing Overwatch 1.5 is kind of how I've been referring to it to my friends. It's really good, but it is Overwatch 1.5 to me. Um, I'm looking forward to the PVE. I wish there were more features that we had uh, for this as well. Um, like even just the PVP build. So I guess I'm a little disappointed we didn't have any more. But mm -hmm. the gameplay itself that I've fallen in love with with Overwatch 1, it just feels better. So that's what's mostly important. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's my initial feelings. Who knew Donkey was right all along? We, we, we laughed at him. <laughs> But he was a prophet all along. It is 1.5. Okay, so I think a, a nice and accurate summary there um, from Nate. But Dan, how do you feel? Uh, you know, scale of 1 to 10. I know you've been loving the Kiriko. But how do you feel uh, with the bigger picture considered? Um, I think Dateson said it pretty much perfectly, honestly. I, I agree with everything. Like, it definitely feels like Overwatch 1.5. The, the main thing, the thing is with me... I knew this was coming. Like the main thing with Overwatch 2 is that they're switching from box game to free to play. Like that's that's what they're doing. As someone who's followed like all of the news and the announcements and everything like that, I knew that that's what that was going to be. It's just a switch over. But obviously, the name of Overwatch 2 is like trying to sell something more than it is, and that's confusing for a lot of people who aren't following literally every single dev announcement along the way. So. It's definitely going to feel weird for people coming to the game who haven't really been following that stuff. But as Nate said, the gameplay is amazing. Like in Overwatch 1, there was a lot of situations in-game where you'd be coming up against things and you would just get annoyed. Like double shield, you're up against double shield, you don't want to play that match anymore. You know you're going to be shooting shields for 15 minutes and it's going to suck. Um, stuff like Doomfist one-shotting you, random stuff like that, stuns, all felt horrible. In Overwatch 2, I haven't felt like that at all. The only thing that's bothered me is the buffed Sombra with the disable time. <laughs> and that's like the only thing that's like, oh, this is annoying. Most of the gameplay is just fun. But yeah, like Nate said, uh, menus aren't really finished. It, it definitely looks like a work in progress, which is sloppy for Blizzard. But they obviously just set a date and got it out. So for gameplay, yeah, I think 9 or 10 out of 10. Um, the launch was very rough and the rest of the game definitely isn't finished outside of the actual gameplay. Hmm. Again, I think a fair assessment. Now, I've saved EVA for last because I know that uh, EVA has a lot of thoughts on the currency <laughs> of the game. I believe, EVA, am I correct, you have not played Overwatch 2 since its launch for some various reasons that we'll get into in the podcast. But how do you feel about the question that I know you, 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 you feel is uh, too short to uh, answer easily? Yeah, I mean, I think think based on how much uh, Finner and Nate, how much time they gave, that's about as much time I'll need. Um, but I agree pretty much up the, up and down the board with both of them as well. Um, you know, the gameplay itself is probably the best Overwatch has ever been, um, just across the board. But I think, like, the systems that surround the game is extremely grim um, in its current state. And that I would say right now we're in a situation where people often forget how we are not playing Overwatch 2 right now. We are playing Overwatch PvP with the Overwatch 2 updates. 
Overwatch 2 is not out yet. We are playing the preview right now. And so with that in mind, we are in a situation where they wanted to they wanted to deliver a game 2 proper, which is a proper 2. You know, years ago at this point, they wanted to deliver it over a year and a half ago. And we're in a situation where that kept getting pushed back from various um, executive decisions that have, um, frankly, uh, trying to decide the w- a word that's not F, but uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, is, it has ruined the timeline of that release window. Um, and that we're in a situation where we are playing, we are playing Overwatch PvP with the two coat of paint where two is not out yet. That is what we're realistically playing right now. And with that being said, you know, there's always going to be gripes going from, I mean, there's not many other examples, but going from a paid game to a free-to-play game. But I think that many things were understandably rushed, where they decided to make this a, a free-to-play. No, they decided probably a long time ago to make it free-to-play, but the actual making the version of the game we are currently playing they did it in nine and a half months. We have to frame our criticisms in that lens in order to properly criticize it while understanding that this game is basically, they steered their ship from focusing on PvE to PvP and made what we are currently playing today in nine and a half months. And I got to commend them for that. You know, that, that requires a lot of effort from the entire team to make possible. And that's why I think it's very impressive that we can all agree today that the gameplay is probably the best it's ever been. And it's just the systems around it that I, I don't even want to criticize the UI necessarily when the, the systems that we're interacting with are what feel utterly unpolished and very anti-consumer. Which systems do you mean exactly in that? Just so I would I would say probably the most pivotal one, I mean, this was my, my intro piece rather than the, the whole discussion, but I would say most pivotally, uh, coins versus credits would probably be one of the biggest factors. Because if okay. you ask somebody, yeah. No, I was going to say, <laughs> well, let's get into it then. You know, it's been brought up, so we may as well go straight <laughs> into it. Like, so elaborate, please, Evie, on, on maybe just describe to someone who has not maybe gotten into Overwatch 2 yet what exactly has happened with this coins to credit and why you don't, like it well i can bring this up real quick if we go over to this is oh. great that we have you oh live, that's so cool live yeah. background overwatch 2 you can get the live uh showcase Best guest ever so <laughs> i'm not sure about the view but for those who can see it you'll see in the top right there is coins versus credits if you asked anybody what the currency was called in overwatch one i did this with my chat i got about 30 different people to to say what they thought the currency in Overwatch 1 was called, everyone conflated coins, credits, tokens. So to go to Overwatch 2 and it to be like, well, the old currency is credits and the new currency is coins, feels like an utter slap in the face when like the boxes have coins coming out of them, they're flinging everywhere, <laughs> you know, they're, they're shiny, they're on the ground. You can tell they're fucking coins. But to then be like, here's the new currency, the legacy credits are going to be phased out, you only have so many of them, you can't earn them anymore. And to go into there and say, the new one is coins, it genuinely almost feels like the devs are like gaslighting us and be like, no, these are the coins. They're, they're, these are the new ones. It's like, 
even the icon looks like a C with the three lines through it. Just the dashes are in a different spot. If you take out the color, they are nearly identical icons. And it just really shows that like how you unlock things is an utter slap in the face to players for a myriad of reasons. I don't know how in-depth you want me to get right now, but the fact that a skin can cost twice the amount of a battle pass and that skin came out eight years ago, yeah, yeah, fam, I definitely want to pay $20 for Gothic Zarya. <laughs> right? It's just the system as a whole feels like they needed to very quickly put a price on what, what a legendary skin. Let's make it that standard price. All right, so a new legendary what would we price that at? And then just applied that price to every legendary in the game. Feels very, very sloppy and rushed. And the fact that it'll cost you over 12 grand to get every skin in the game says a lot about its current state versus before you could get every skin in the game pretty much for free, you know, besides certain exceptions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wait, now that's really how much it costs? Yeah. It's 12,000 12 for everything? It's, it's over 12 grand, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And then the immortal situation that, uh, that gets <laughs> exacerbated by examples like, say, when the first summer games came out, where every skin had a different recolor. Now, if you're missing those recolors, you got to pay twenty bucks for a skin, and then you got to pay another twenty bucks for the slightly different color, right? Like, if they thought this even slightly more through, maybe recolors should be bundled together. Buying, like, say, the if we go so, over to May is a good example, if I can figure out where May so, is. So I just wanna, so, wanna like uh, really frame the discussion here in, in it. What is your biggest issue? Is it the price point? Is it the lack of communication of the sh shifting of the name? Everything. Like, everything, like all of it just kind of really it, irks you? It, you know, paying $20 for this skin and then $20 for this skin, like, <laughs> like it's it shows a lot of, misunderstanding where the pricing is it lack of communication we were we were told hey you want to like you'll probably want to buy all your credits in the first game but they didn't explain what the prices were in the next game they didn't explain what is your mm -hmm. what is your value of your currency going to be in the next game versus the current game yeah and let players know should i hold off you know maybe i don't need that skin but if you're talk calling them legacy credits and they'll transfer over but like hey you can buy every skin in the game right now that made a lot of players jump out. And even though there are skins that they might not have wanted, they're like, okay, I might as well spend all of my credits in Overwatch 1 before they go away. But now we're in a situation with Overwatch 2. Those credits are fucking valuable, oh, relatively yes. speaking. Yeah, yeah. If we go into here, I have 5,000 credits. And some of these skins, like say, if we go back to so Kiriko, you know, that's 1,900. Uh, and say, if we go to Unlock, you have to choose. Yeah, Do you yeah. Spend legacy or premium, or so this is. Yeah, no, this is a really interesting discussion, and there's two there's two facets of it that I really want, kind of want to split because I have feelings on on sort of both aspects, mm -hmm. and then of course I want to get my guests thought on this as well, Dan and Nate's thoughts on this as well. But like I've had this kind of discussion with my chat recently as well. I 100% agree with you that the communication around how the credits would change was. I don't want to use mean words, but it was fucking like awful. It was just, it was just yeah. awful. Because no, it was awful. I, yeah. as someone who, you know, I, I probably, I, I kind of was not keeping super in touch with Overwatch towards the end, right? Just, just for my own personal break from content yeah. and stuff. But that should be, you know, I would still say I would be above the average consumer's level of keeping 
track of what was going on. And I was like under the impression that when we switch from game one to game two, we won't really be able to use our credits. There was like this weird, confusing you know, information about, well, loot boxes are all going to be open. You're never going to get loot boxes again. So make sure you buy all the skins you want right now because you won't have a chance again. And like you said, I think a lot of people would have been baited into buying skins that they never really wanted yeah. because they're like, oh, well, I guess these credits are going to go up. I may as well spend them now. And lo and behold, we turn into game two. It turns out these legacy credits are going to be amazing value for all the Overwatch 1 players who, by the way, I know that's been a big gripe of Overwatch 1 players where they're like, hey, why don't Overwatch 1 players get like some awesome cool stuff for their loyalty? Well, here it is. You're going to be able to buy all the amazing legendary skins for all the new characters that come out now for dirt cheap, basically, while the other guy, well, the new guys are going to all have to pay $20. So the yeah. communication around the, the switch from the legacy credits to the current coins again all of it is really stupid and uh, like you said all the valid complaints about the icons are exactly the same just different color or, or almost exactly the same and it's a it's a it's a series of like this is where again uh, in the past and on the podcast i've been called a shield because generally i've been optimistic about the model and all of this this is one where it genuinely feels scummy it genuinely feels like and it's either incompetence of like a lack of proper communication and or a lack of planning in advance so that they themselves didn't know exactly how it was going to switch over so they had to like last minute rush it out or it's like a scummy way of so subtly tricking people into spending more of these old credits so they don't have any of these uh new credits so i want to i want to quickly engage with that because there's another whole uh, rant that i want to go on about mm buying every skin so i want to kind of get dan's thoughts dan how do you feel about like this whole shift in for, primarily in terms of this credits and the communication around how they'll work i think it's all a communication issue because as you said like now we've got these valuable coins like if you played a lot of overwatch one you're absolutely juiced right now like i've got 60k coins and i think that's worth like uh 600 us dollars so basically going into overwatch 2 I've got a free $600, which is awesome. I'm getting rewarded because I played so much Overwatch 1, right? But they didn't communicate that. So they basically, the post they had, I don't remember the exact wording and stuff, but it was basically like, oh, we're going to make all the skins available now. Spend your coins while you can. Yeah, I don't think it was exactly like that, but that was can the I impression that most people got. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So the, the two key miscommunications here, so then we can talk about those further, is um, one, it was implied that Overwatch 2 content will be with the new currency and Overwatch 1 content would be the yeah. old currency. That was the first implication. The second one, Aaron, bless his heart, um, <laughs> well, uh, basically went on Game Informer interview, which was an amazing interview, by the way. I recommend anybody who likes Aaron and or Overwatch should watch that interview. He described as like, you know, we realized that getting random items for characters that you might not play and whatnot didn't feel as amazing as just being able to get what you want. And so we wanted to make the shop system and blah, blah, blah. And it was based, it seemed like this would be an amazing system where it would incentivize getting what you wanted versus getting a bunch of random items, which might be insight to the new methodology here that they want to focus on people are only expected to get maybe as much as for one character they could play about rather than the completionists of people who care about getting all the skins for the characters. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Dan, anything else you want to add on your side? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, the thing is, I like the way it is. I just, they needed to communicate it. 
Like there needs to be like, hey, so yeah, you're going to keep your legacy coins and they're going to match Overwatch coins. And that's great. And if they said that, then, you know, people wouldn't have blown their coins because I've got someone in my chat who spent 30K when they announced that all the skins are available. And it's like, well, you just technically lost $300 worth of coins that you could have used on new stuff, but you just bought stuff because you thought they were going away, which is what most people thought. So yeah, just a big, big communication issue there. 100%. Um, and I think that it's it's because it, I'm getting people coming into chat who are kind of like saying, oh, but didn't they say this and didn't they say that? And I think that's part of the thing. And it's been perhaps yeah. endemic of Overwatch 2 overall, where it's like, if, if five different people are like, I thought they said this, that's a problem, right? That means that there's mm -hmm. a marketing communications problem somewhere where we, despite being four very, you know, we're, literally our livelihoods depend on Overwatch. We're a little bit, we were confused, we're maybe still are, I'm still a little bit confused about how it's going to operate going forwards. And if that's the case, then how do you expect, you know, your general audience and the people who are coming in to be able to keep up to date with exactly what's going to happen? Nate, just, how do you feel about all of it? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Dan, guys, I'll just put in, yeah. Just to note, like, how confusing it was, like, even after content creators got their hands on the Overwatch 2 client and uploaded the videos, like people were still confused about legacy credits going in. And that was like after seeing the battle pass and all of that. And we still didn't really know what legacy credits were going to do until we got our hands on the actual release of the game. 100%. Nate, what about you? On my end, I don't have much more to add to the conversation here. Um, I think everyone's already touched on it perfectly. Um, so for me, I'm quite detached from the skin side of Overwatch. And I pretty much have been since release. And that's just like, for me, universal across the gaming industry. I don't really buy skins. I've never purchased skins or purchased credits to buy skins in any game. I only buy things if they're like gameplay related. Um, or I could resell like in Counter-Strike. I could buy a skin because I knew I could sell it and buy a game. Um, but I had no idea what was going on with our currency. So I am absolutely 100% on, on the same page. They should have told us how it was going to transfer over. And the fact they didn't is kind of disappointing. Um, that's really all I have to add to that. Mm -hmm. Wait, Nathan, how many credits did you get from your 2000 boxes? Okay. So I started at like 20,000. I opened 2000 boxes or whatever. I had like Holy 170k shit. or 190k. So like, that's Nathan, like going into a watch two with $1,700 for free, basically. Yeah. The spend. I, I spent them to like finish out some of my collections. So I ended at like a hundred ish. So I, I, right now I probably have about a hundred thousand in currency. Mm. That's crazy. If they ever open a marketplace, Nathan's just going to be like straight dealing. He's like, you want some credits? I got credits, man. I got the deal for you. I got the good juice. Exactly. If you want to watch Nathan open all those loot boxes, by the way, he's got a fantastic video on his YouTube channel. So do check it out. Um, but I want to get to the other aspect of this, which Nathan alluded to as well, about skin collecting, because this is a, a sort of slightly separate gripe. And I, the reason I'm, I'm trying to really... Uh, codify and frame the different topics is because I think one of the more frustrating things with discussions around Overwatch 2 is how muddied they've gotten by like people jumping in on different points you know so there's this credits uh debacle but then the next guy will come along but I'm not upset about that I'm upset about this and then the next guy comes along yeah. oh, but I'm upset about the you know so it's like I really want to make sure we're, we're taking point by point so the next point I want to get to is what you kind of alluded to EV which is like well these old skins now cost $20 essentially right for for actual new player um, and is that is that kind of a, a ripoff? I mean, yes. And the more deep point about, I think the the one the one of the most key pain points amongst your watch community is this idea of collecting skins. And unfortunately, that's going to have to go. 
Because I think yeah. in Overwatch 1, a large section of the community, or it's certainly a significant section of the community, liked to be skin collectors the way that one might collect stamps or any other such or any less boomery reference right? <laughs> people wanted to have people wanted to have every single skin in the game and they wanted to be able to just earn it by a very fair i i want to i'm gonna use the term fair but i'm gonna cut back on that later a very fair system that allowed them to just basically get every skin they wanted if they just played enough and like nate said they could have a thousand odd loot boxes sat there you know and they didn't even need it the problem is that is again part of that old model right the pay model and that's gone. Mm -hmm. And people are going to have to, people are really going to be annoyed that they will not be able to buy every single skin in this game unless they shell out a fortune. And I think that has really bugged a lot of people. But I would, what I would say to that is, as, as the resident shill, the Overwatch 1 model, I feel, was too fair to the, like, fair to the consumer, but unfair to the dev. A lot of people talk about the fairness of the new model, and they're like, ah, it's unfair to me as the consumer, why, why can't I get every skin? I, that's surely a humble request. Because they're used to the Overwatch 1 model, where they paid money for the, for the game, and then the loot box model basically done in such a fair... Again, the loot box models have been done scummily in other games, where they've been kind of exploited, but not in Overwatch. In Overwatch, it was pretty, pretty generous. You pretty much always got what you wanted. We're in a new model now. In the new model, there's going to be constant content, right? Whatever, again, miscommunication about whether Overwatch 1 was a live service game or not, in practicality, it stopped being a live service game after a couple of years. Which meant that the skins were the only new things we were getting. People were continuing to be able to get those via the via their playtime. In Overwatch 2, the money is coming from your constant investment in the game and constant play in the game. Which means that if you expect to buy all the skins from now until forever with just playtime, you're asking for an infinite amount of value from your playtime on your maybe one battle pass investment for you're asking for infinite amount of investment for a finite uh, investment from your side an infinite amount of value for a finite investment and that's that's not fair to the devs i understand people's pov of like it's unfair to me that i can't get all the skins because i used to be able to but unfortunately this is a new model now and if you want basically infinite content which is infinite numbers of skins from now until forever you're gonna have to you, you'd have to shell out an infinite amount of money, right? So you're gonna have to learn to pick and choose what what skins you buy, how much you invest, and unfortunately, I feel like that's a real pain point that the community is gonna have to come to terms with. Evie, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you kind of disagree with me on that one? Oh, I'm gonna be honest. If your your expression of of your views on that specific aspect have kind of shifted me a little bit, I I can I can see what you mean, and I already have like a few ideas of like. It's. I think the there, there's various aspects of like the objective where we are, what it means for the future, what it means for the devs. But then I think so much of it just completely gets drowned out by the communication and where we were, right? And I think like the where we were to where we are is one thing, where then the communication just makes makes all of it so much more sour, right? Where and I and I I think that it's good, especially for this discussion, to keep individualizing each point. But I really think the communication is what sours the pot as a whole, right? Where that's the that's the toughest part. Where I really feel like this communication into the the collect, like, you know, into people being wanting to be collectors versus wanting to just get their favorite skin, you know, I. It's tough because I feel like it, my opinions are so f intertwined in it all, right? 
Um, you know, and for example, like I worry that just the sentiment alone is like, did they go too hard on the communication? <laughs> is that a thing? Did they go too hard on certain aspects of the communication that we got so many posts, but ended up mm. not actually explaining certain, just missing out on certain aspects made it out to be, we got so much communication and not the, not the specifics we needed, which is kind of concerning and alarming, but also I worry for them sticking with the communication and hoping that they improve it rather than feel like the communication was an issue. And so trying to loop back to what you were actually asking, I think that I think that it makes a lot of sense. I think that your points were I, th I think your points actually swayed me a bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it made and while you're talking, it made me start to wonder, does this I mean, it's on an obvious objective level, yes, but does this increase the value of skins when you see them? Right? Hundred percent. I think it does. Like, Apparently. And, I think that, and one of the reasons we stopped caring is, is because everyone benefit. had the skin, right? Like one of the exactly. reasons we stopped caring is everyone else had it. Right. And so that makes me wonder is part of the reason why we cared is because everyone is able to. So if we weren't able to, it felt like an issue. So now that we're not able to, now we can like start to articulate and think about those feelings of like, if you, like I still might say, be, continue to be a completionist for Mercy, but do I really need to be a completionist for Winston? <laughs> Right, like I love my homie Winston, but like I don't think I need every single jungle skin when they make a new version of their jungle skin for the fourth time, right? But I think that I think it's interesting to think about, and that um, it's I, I I still like think of as the whole, right? The pricing is shit. Like I could probably say that comfortably, ten dollars per legendary if they were made in the last three years and then past three years, like $7 per legendary, I'd be totally down for that. But $20 for every legendary in the entire game that exists feels, especially for the recolor skins, feels like gouging. Dan, is that like a sentiment you share? Like just on the general so, discussion, how do you feel? Well, I, so I think, I actually think the pricing is fine. But I think we need to take a step back and just think about how we view it. Because like we played the game for seven years. We know it as a box model game. We've been completely spoiled, I would say. Like we paid, what, $60 seven years ago? And we've had seven years of const content with events, which, you know, got stale in the end. Um, but we've always had just loads of skins and they take development time. If you look at overwatch 2 and you try and come into it as a completely new game and try and like put your mind in that space like let's say you know 13 year old little jimmy comes along he's never seen overwatch before he plays overwatch 2 he's just played fortnite he's played apex he's played valorant and he comes in the system in overwatch 2 is almost exactly like those games with minor adjustments like all of the games have their own little thing going on but mostly they're all the same. You know, it's a battle pass with expensive skins that you can buy. Some of them have like crafting materials and stuff like that to help you along. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. You know, get you into the battle pass, make you play the game a lot. And then, you know, every now and then you're going to buy something from the store because you're playing the game a lot. And those I things mean, are expensive. I'd have, um, to, I'd have to just outright disagree real quick. There's two okay. important factors that change everything you just said. Besides Valorant, because fuck Valorant. Um... <laughs> The thing to keep in mind is 
at least Apex has, say, crafting materials. Right. And I, we don't have that. And if you want to get a free legendary skin, if you play every single week and complete every single weekly challenge, yeah. do you know how many weeks it takes to get a legendary skin in Overwatch now? Uh, I think it's a ridiculous thing. Like 38? It's, 30, it's 31 weeks if you complete every weekly yeah. challenge. <laughs> for one? Yeah. So for one legendary skin, oh, 31 weeks. Mm. Compare that which to is weird the, Which is weird because the battle pass is yeah. way cheaper, right? Right. That's another yeah. aspect. Again, the battle pass is way cheaper, and they they keep incentivizing. They want to make the battle pass good value. They sure did it, but it's relative value. It's I, a good I, value by itself, but then compared to skins. I would say that like something like Apex, like giving you a few things for free, is a good idea from the consumer's consumer perspective because like it makes you feel like you're actually getting something i do think overwatch missed out there i will say you don't get much from boxes in apex like i played 1000 hours of apex and i don't yeah. feel like i've gotten much at all and you know i was very happy to spend 40 dollars in apex to buy the heroes it's a great game you know it's worth 40 dollars but in terms of boxes like you don't get much but it does feel good to get something and I do yeah. think Overwatch is missing that. And when it comes to earning coins, I honestly do think it's like, it is a bit of a slap in the face. Because if you do the calculations, which I was kind of doing today uh, in prep for this, like I came up with a number of like 60 to 100 games, like 60 being very good to do the weekly challenges. The weekly challenges give you 60 coins, which is the equivalent to 60 cents. So if you pet play like 60 to 100 games every week, you will make 60 cents worth of money <laughs> in the game every week. And like, I almost feel like they would have been better just not having that. You know, yeah. it's like, it's just, they should just not have it. Like if they want you to pay for skins, you know, don't put this system in that kind of just like laughs at you a little bit as you try to grind it up. I do agree the coin system is kind of silly for sure. Yeah, and, and that's sorry. I just oh, sorry. sorry. I just wanted to make yeah. sure Nate has a chance to kind of ch Nate chime <laughs> in if you've got anything you want to add. Okay, not too much more. Um, I definitely agree with what SUB said at the very beginning, where to kind of put it into terms, we as a community sort of, or at least those, because I've seen the complaints on Reddit and the threads. We almost kind of like the context was distorted for us as longtime players going into mm -hmm. Overwatch Two now. Like we're so used to having everything for free and collecting everything. Um, and it's just like kind of passively you level up every single time you get a loot box, which is again, as we said, like probably one of the most generous systems from the loot box era of like the 20 teens gaming industry. And so now going into this, you know, it feels awful to us like, whoa, what the heck? These are $20 skins now. Obviously, to me, I'm never going to pay $20 for a skin because I don't care about that. But now kids that are coming up with Fortnite and Warzone, you know, this game looks the exact same. So it doesn't really register differently to them. I definitely agree with Dan on that. Um, yeah, that's where I stand on it. I, I have like a, a sort of hot take, I guess, that maybe I want to throw out. Nave, you, you kind of finish your thought on it. Yeah, uh, well, I was just going to say, I know I'm not going to buy any skin <laughs> at the end of the day, so I probably don't have the best like take on this overall. I'm just never going to buy it. <laughs> no, I'm not the target I that, audience. That's valid as well, and I think that, that that's kind of... Uh, equally valid as well. There's someone who you have to be incentivized to buy it, right? The kind of hot take that I have, and it, it's a very cold corporate take. And before, before you know, you assume anything of me, like I'm, I'm sort of 
I'm a socialist. I, you know, I'm I'm all for like, you know, let let the government intervene and let's 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 take care of each other. But in this case, I truly believe that like the free market will iron out the the skin prices in that sense. In the sense that it's very easy for us to make again get a distorted picture of of how we feel about the prices because we're coming from Overwatch One land where we got so much for free in terms of the skins and cosmetics. But the way I see it is, if they, they're charging $20 for these legendary skins, they know how many people are buying or not buying these skins, right? We obviously have no interest. For $20, fuck no, I'm not I'm not spending $20 for any skin or, you know, barely any. Maybe one rare time I'll find a really cool skin. I'm definitely not spending $20 for a legendary skin. And if everyone else feels that way, and if everyone else is like, nah, we're not going to pay $20, they, they, they have two options. Make no money from it or change the price, right? And they know this. But of course, the, the potential reality is that there's a whole wave of people who come in who haven't gotten these old legendary skins from mm. Watch. And look at that $20, it's like, yo, that's okay with me because I'm used to paying 50 bucks for a Valorant gun or whatever, right? Or like, you know, I'm used to paying, or they're just willing to pay it. And unfortunately, that is like the truth. Again, another bitter pill I feel like we have to swallow of like the free-to-play model is that your playtime is worth shit to them. It's your money yeah. that they need, right? It's like, it's because I had this epiphany recently for myself with Hearthstone, Hearthstone Battlegrounds, because they made a change recently just to fill in the context where uh -huh. they changed their, their uh, mo like monetization system because they have, they, they also had a similar thing actually. They had credits originally or their coins, whatever, whatever they're called, the, the Hearthstone coins. And then they released a mode called Battlegrounds, which turned out to be super popular. Like, everybody loved Battlegrounds way more than they loved the traditional mode of Hearthstone. And what they realized was everyone was playing the Battlegrounds because they created a system with their original coin system that was very fair and allowed you to farm a bunch of coins just by playing. People were able to buy the, battle ba the Battlegrounds Battle Pass every year. People like myself were able to buy it without any real monetar like monetary investment. And then they announced recently that they're going to change it, that they're going to create a new currency specifically for the battle pass, for the uh, battleground, sorry, these confusing terms, for the battlegrounds. And that basically it resets. You, you weren't going to get any of your old currency carried over to the battlegrounds. And if you wanted their new battle pass, you'd have to pay this new currency. And at first I was outraged. I was like, what is this shit? I have been playing Hearthstone <laughs> since day one. I'm a loyal customer. I've had so many coins and I pride myself on the fact that I've been able to get everything I want in Hearthstone for free just by my hard-earned playtime. And then I just stopped for a second. I was like, I'm an absolute bellend. Because I have contributed literally nothing to this game's development. All I've given them is my playtime, which actually doesn't mean shit. It just means I'm occupying their servers for my own entertainment. And I have not contributed financially to this game's development even one iota. And yet I'm mad that the game that I've dumped hundreds of hours into is saying, Hey buddy, you really love this game, don't you? You really love playing this game while you cook and while you're on the phone. and while, you, know, you really love playing this game. How about you shell out $10 to keep playing this game? Right? And I kind of had that epiphany recently. I was like, whoa, like I got to get away from this idea that because in Overwatch 1, it's like, well, I paid for the game. So therefore me playing it is is great. I play, I'm playing the game and I'm showing my love and support for the game. And yes, you might argue that you're contributing to the wider ecosystem of the game, shortening queue times and building hype. But that's like the equivalent of paying the devs in exposure. It's like, yo, I, I'm paying you in exposure, bro. <laughs> like I told my friends about it. I told my friends about how great your game is. Isn't that great? You should be thankful. There's nothing to be thankful about just because you play their game if you're literally never contributing to the actual upkeep of the game. So the idea that we should be able to, like, I get that we should be able to get some things. You know, there's there's a, a human element of rewarding loyalty because we are invested in the game. We care about the game. And so from just a human level, it should feel nice to get stuff back because you're like, hey, I love this game and the game loves me back. But the idea that, like, there's just, there should be, like, an infinite amount of value that you get for playing, 
is kind of fucked up. It's kind of something we have to shift away from in this new model where the devs yep. need your constant money mm-hmm. to constantly develop the game. And if you're not willing to pay the constant money, that's fine. Either enough people will be like you who are like, I'm not willing to pay for these new skins and they'll have to reduce their price. Or the un- the uncomfortable truth is that there's a bunch of people out there who are willing to pay the skin price and you're the odd one out and you have to feel shit about it because there's a bunch of potential customers who are willing to shell out the money that the devs need. And that's my rant. Sorry, we went off. But Dan, I, I know you got... Go ahead. Someone just, chime in. No, just a small thing on top of that. Like, if you're not the person who's willing to pay $20 for that skin because you don't care enough about it, like, you're just not the target audience and you just don't care about the skins that much. You probably just enjoy the gameplay. And there's going to be a lot of people who just enjoy the gameplay. And for them, free-to-play is amazing because they just get to log in and play for free. And, you know, other people are buying skins and basically paying for the game for them. Yeah. I think I want to take how Fenner goes, like, a step down. I think I want to take another step down. We're like, we need to remind ourselves, though, as well. Part of the frustration here is people who bought the game, but, you know, they're playing the game and they don't have money. Like, they just don't, they just straight up don't have money to, to continue to put into a game that they purchased, right? And so now with this model, they, for all, well, let's be real with ourselves, just straight up cannot get skins. It's not even just like, oh, save up. For an average player hitting these weeklies, let's be real with ourselves. It's going to take them a year for for a legendary skin. And I guess that's the question I want to ask is like, is for a free player who bought Overwatch 1 but doesn't have any uh, credits, is is that a reasonable amount to get one legendary skin per year? Maybe. I've ranted, no. so I wanted Nate or someone else to chime in first. No, I, I like Gibby's point there. Uh, it seems a bit ridiculous. Uh, that time frame to earn one legendary skin, that's a bit nuts. Um, the I mean, counterpoint being, just, sorry, I just said I wouldn't show I would, The counterpoint being, the battle pass would be cheaper. You could get a mythic, potential mythic and other skins. Yeah, but you need money. to pay for, that's every nine weeks. Mm-hmm. You have to pay ten dollars. No, but I and mean, you can it, earn enough credits to guy a battle pass about every other season, right? Maybe. And that will come. That's that the other thing. Myth, we, that we, that's that's another thing that I want to discuss. I was waiting for that time, but it's like we ain't getting credits from the pass. And if you're a free player, you're getting maybe every other pass. And again, that means that you have to spend. You have to play all of the weeklies every single week to maybe get every other pass. Again, like, ugh. I, They're putting so I, much value in the pass. Yeah, I get it. It it doesn't feel good, but I feel like this is just free to play. And, it, and I, no, I feel like... Yeah. This is how it is. Like, like I feel like it yeah. feels the same in League of Legends. I feel like it feels the same in Apex. Yes, it's nice to have, like, a loot box every now and then. And, like, maybe if they add a little bit more to give you for free like the thing is if they add more to give you for free it's purely to try and keep you engaged for longer so that you spend more in the shop which could be good could be nice but ultimately like all of these systems are like how can we get these people to play as much as possible we want to get as much people in as possible to play as long as possible which is why battle pass battle passes exist you know they make them cheap 
but they're basically buying your time. You're paying them to give them your time. It's like, I pay you $10 and now I'm going to play a hundred hours as well. And every hour that you play, you're likely or you're more likely to go to the shop and buy something else because you've already invested so much time. So free to play systems, yeah, they can feel really bad and gross, but the, the good side is, you know, people are getting for free. Like right. if somebody doesn't have any money um, to buy Overwatch, they can now play Overwatch 2 for free and they can enjoy the entire experience of the entire game. They just can't look good in game while doing <laughs> it, which is like the benefit. Like it's like free to play versus box game. And the thing is yes. like, we all know at this point that free to play is the way to make a successful game right now, whether we like it or not. Hey guys, SCB here. Just going to quickly interrupt this episode of the Group Up podcast to say that if you're enjoying this content, then please do consider signing up for my Patreon to support me directly. It's really amazing because it allows me to keep making content like this carefree, regardless of how many views Overwatch does or doesn't get. I know no one likes sellout ads, but chances are if you've listened till this far in, then you're at least somewhat enjoying the content. So please do consider at least leaving a like, a subscribe, and a comment underneath the video on YouTube. It really does help. But that's it for me. Now back to the discussion. You Nate, to I want you to chime in. Sorry, just because I, I, I feel like bad I interrupted Nate. So I want him to be able to give his <laughs> no, point. Hey, man, it's your show. And I'm always glad to hear your, your side of things as well. Um, but it feels like we are starting to wrap on this topic. I'll say my ending thoughts for it. I'm overall, I'm not too upset about the monetization method. Uh, I don't know if that is a hot take, perhaps. But um, I do feel... Overall, this is kind of like the standard of the gaming industry. Nothing has really pushed me too far in the wrong direction. But I do, I agree with EB. I didn't know it took a year to get one legendary well, skin. It's 31 that seems a bit crazy. And then that's averaged out to an average player. Okay. It, it, I mean, it sounds like a long time. Yeah. But if they're able to log in for free and play the game, you really don't need a skin. And I don't think it's the end of the world if a player can't get a skin. Yeah. Um, as long as they're able to play the game with their friends, which is the most important thing, um, that's what really matters to me. So, I'm not I'm not too upset about the shop overall. A funny closing for me, at least, is um, part of the reason why they're removing loot boxes is uh, honestly the mess of legality throughout the world. Let's be honest with ourselves. Oh, yeah. And what made me realize is part of the legality is when loot boxes are paid for. Could the ironic thing be they keep loot boxes, but in a very limited fashion and only for, like, could it be a loot box could be like once a week, one box, and technically they could keep it and not have, have the same regulation if it's not being paid for. It almost makes me wonder, could they stay in a limited, limited capacity? Hmm. Could they? they? Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> there's like a bunch of things they yeah. could do. <laughs> now, will they? I think it all Probably. comes down to, you know, is that loot box that they give for free, is that going to, you know, get people to the shop more often because they get excited because they got a skin? That's really Oh, it. I think absolutely would. Yeah. But I was just wondering what y'all thought about that possibility. I like the idea. Yeah, sounds good. Like, I, I think it's fun to get free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and this is the thing, you know, it's like, this is why I, I'm, I'm probably just annoying people around the world with this with, with with my constant statements but it's like of course it feels good for us as the consumer to get a bunch of free shit like hey give us Overwatch yeah. 2 for free give us every fucking skin for free and give us the you know like yeah of course we would demand more and more and more and give us more and more and more stuff for free i'm just conscious that like 
I, I want us as a community to shift away from that ideology because we've we've sat in it for a long time of like, yeah. well, our playtime is, is earning us a bunch of things. Like, yes, to some yeah. extent it should, just out of a pure, just a pure psychological POV, right? As a player, the investment should should reward you. But but beyond that, it's like, what what are you really doing for the devs to, to continue making this game just by playing a lot more? Like, it's in terms of like, well, yeah, it's a it's a service, right? It's like a live, li- I guess the key comes down to like the terminology. It's live service. You pay for your Netflix service or you pay for the subscription. When Netflix delivers new, new, new TV shows, new films, whatever you want to watch, you continue paying, you continue getting those new things. When it stops working for you, you stop paying. And I, I guess that's just how we have to see it now. It's like, it's not the, the emphasis before was you buy the box and then you're able to collect all the skins f- for basically free. Now it's like you get the game for free and you, you're going to have to start collecting all the skins. And maybe we've built up just a large section of consumers who preferred it that way, who preferred, well, I want to be able to get infinite skins and a finite box model and the gameplay is fine. But I, I well, I think we've seen that didn't work. And so this is the new world. And this, in the new world, it means, yeah. you know, you know. You have to let go of your collecting obsession, and if the service stops working for you, if you deem that the cost of the skins is too much and you need the skins to get enjoyment in the game, then I'm afraid that the game has stopped working for you, right? And the model and the financial True. industry has stopped working for you. Like, the industry has stopped working for you. And Overwatch has to compete within its industry. It can't compete against Air. If, if yeah. other games are offering you gameplay for free, how long can you keep asking people to pay for it just so you can get skins for free? Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts before I sort of take us to the next next thing? Um, I'll yeah. just close. I'll go on, Nathan. No, you go. I was going to change it. You go. Okay. So just closing thoughts like Nathan. Yeah, I don't mind the shop model. I'm very happy to play the game for free. I'm here for the gameplay. Skins are like an added bonus that I can get. And the pricing seems pretty fair. I think they could do some minor adjustments like Evie said. Give you a loot box every now and then. Maybe adjust the coin system. But if anything, it's all just going to be minor stuff that's kind of just fluff and maybe, you know, gives you a dopamine hit every now and then to keep you excited. But overall, I think it's okay. Yeah, pretty much. Nate, you wanted to shift over then. What, what did you have in mind? <clears throat> well, I just wanted to point out, I think when we did our initial rounds of getting everyone's opinion, SV, I don't think we heard your side, right? I don't think you gave uh, a rating. So I, I think... We should hear what SV has to say on that. Well, um, I'm kind of, I kind of largely agree with you guys. I feel like the game. I have like a, I guess, an optimistic POV. I, I guess I'm always, I always try to be optimistic with with things, and I feel like people might mistake that for shilling. But I, I see it as like the game that's here right now. It really feels like early access. It's called early access, and it really feels like early access because my my optimistic view is that. Six months from now, when the PvE arrives, and when actually the majority of the new players will arrive, we'll have a great game by then. Right now, it feels like we're the beta testers, like we're the bug testers, where we're like, oh, hey, you guys missed this little UI thing. Oh, it's really wonky how this this currency is earned and like, you know, how it's transferred. Like, you know, we're, we're here to be like here to give the mass feedback so that in six months from now, wherever that whenever the PvE starts dropping... By yeah. then, the game will be really polished and clean, and, and like the product will be amazing. I do, I mean, as someone who loves Overwatch, the gameplay feels great. I love 5v5. So, like you guys said, I think the gameplay aspect is great. All that other stuff, I, I'm, I'm okay with the scuffery because I'm just happy that we're here and getting to play Overwatch 2. And I know that, again, in like whatever time period, six, eight months, 
will will create such a polished game that I feel like it'll be irresistible for someone who comes in for the PVE. Well, they'll be like, whoa, the PVP is so like, you know, tuned and refined and the systems are so tuned and refined. Does that make sense? Yep. 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 Agreed. <laughs> nice. Agreed. Okay, so that right. brings us, since we've been, kind of, we've been kind of, you know, talking about the battle pass stuff, there's one key point that I do want to bring up, which is, because what we've talked about is much more optional things. It's like cosmetics and, mm-hmm. and optional investment. But one thing that's very key to the gameplay is the hero and the 55 level free, you know, free battle pass hero unlock. Again, something Eevee, I know you are just not, not happy about. So maybe you want to set us up about, you know, where you kind of lie on this issue of unlocking Kiriko and potentially subsequent heroes at level 55 out of 80 of the battle pass. So while it may have been on the list, it's probably the least thing on that list, frankly. Um, and that I think realistically level 55 is, is, is much higher than it needs to be. And that I think, frankly, a, a reasonable... Uh, somewhat middle ground might actually just be 40, which is right down the middle of the battle pass, at least what you unlock. Newsflash for those who don't know, you can actually go up to level 250 uh, 50 with the battle pass if you want to go that high for some vanity stuff. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think going down the middle would be a bit better. I, I get it, I understand it. Um, but for those who don't know, a large amount of what this current battle pass is, is also formed off of the Call of Duty battle pass. And so for those who don't know, Call of Duty for the last three call, three CODs, four CODs now, when they have their battle pass, when they introduce a new season, a new gun comes out, and it, most of the time two new guns, at level 15, uh, there's 100 levels, at level 15 you get one of the guns, and at level 30 you get one of the guns. And... Uh, once the season passes, if you didn't earn those guns, you can do a challenge. With SMGs, get 100 headshots or something like that to get the new SMG that just came with the previous season. And, you know, we're going to be some- seeing something similar with that, you know. As healers heal this much or save save uh, 100 people with that new save stat, that might, who knows, that might be the new stat to unlock Kiriko is by saving 100 people as support um, to unlock her. But I think that, like, overall... We're in a system where the free-to-play model makes a lot of a lot of sense when it comes to as the new player onboarding. I actually really like it fundamentally, even though I have a lot of side complaints with it. Um, and I think I just worry as a whole the effectively somebody who play like we have to remind ourselves that for a lot of players, they play one or two matches a night, and and then beyond that, they're a weekend gamer. And so you have to think. Is a weekend for half of their gameplay time on the weekend, is that enough time to then unlock a hero at 55 over the course of the season when they might also be playing other games? Because that's what stresses me out, is when I play three games that have battle passes, even as content creators where it is our jobs to play those games, three battle passes is tough. It's, it's, it's tough to finish. It Yeah. When I, ha- I was playing, I think it was... Uh, Cold War, um, I think it was Cold War. Um, Sorry, you had to play Dead that. by Daylight, and <laughs> what was it? Huh? I was saying sorry, you had to play Cold War. <laughs> nah, I mean I was a zombies player. I was chilling. Oh, that that part was fun. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was chilling. Um, but yeah, so it's like when you have like three games with battle passes, 
Even as a job. Good fucking luck finishing three of them. Oh, and the Apex was the other one. And so that kind of brings me to the, the pass as a whole, slightly. Even though the hero being locked behind is the core of this specific topic, I think a very key related topic is the next time another pass with the hero comes out, do you have the currency? Do you have the coins to get the next uh, pass that comes out, right? Um, and while that's not super relevant for a free player, it is relatively relevant to maybe every four passes, not every two, maybe every four passes you might be able to get the hero unlock instantly, right? And then it comes in the question of hero balance, whether or not that hero is overtuned or undertuned, whether or not we'll see, whether or not those first two weeks, is that actually enough time for them to actually balance the hero meaningfully before it goes into comp, right? And I think that those are just concerns at the moment rather than current issues, right? I think that it's more of we're overviewing potential future concerns and that we can't realistically know for certain how it pans out until then. 100%. Dan, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Um, I think the the hero being behind the battle, nurse, uh, battle pass is kind of relates how to you, you were talking about Netflix. Because obviously, like, if we view skins completely as optional, it's just like an extra bonus. We don't need them to play the game. The hero is, you know, a gameplay element. We can all say that it's, you know, basically yeah. necessary, especially if you want to play the hero. Obviously, you're not going to want to play every single hero, but for the most part, it's a gameplay element that we don't want locked behind a paywall. But if you do the calculations, and if you want every hero to come to the battle pass instantly, that's a maximum of, you know, $30 a year. And you can still get that for free if you want that hero. And, you know, we're going to get challenges after the battle pass to get it. Hopefully those are in the fur, but we can't really talk about that because it's just speculation. Um, and I think, personally, I think $30 a year is more than reasonable for, mm -hmm. you know, content every nine weeks, cinematic, new hero, new map, everything that they're going to be doing as long as they, you know, actually do what they're going to say they're going to do. Um, so I'm very happy paying $30 a year for Overwatch 2. I think that's reasonable. And again, it's optional if you don't want it. So I'm, I think it's fine, personally. I do agree that it, I think it would be nice to put it a little bit earlier in the battle pass. It does take a long time to get it. But overall, I think the pricing and the fact that it's in there is not a big problem. No, agreed. Nate? I am totally fine with how they've set it up. I don't think it feels too crushing on anyone. I think it's fair. Um, as long as, you know, my main thing, my main concern when Overwatch 2 is being talked about and initially revealed, I'm like, please do not put it behind a paywall. Like, do not lock this behind a dollar amount. So it's good that you can unlock it for free and that they are having some sort of catch-up system, even though I'm not exactly too sure what that looks like yet. They haven't said anything, right? Like, we just figure it's going to be they, challenges, like Evie well, said they, with COD. They have confirmed it would be challenges. They, they've confirmed okay. it would be challenges. Okay, so they're going to do the Call of Duty thing, and that's totally fine. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say, I've played all the Call of Duty games. I'm a big Call of Duty fan. I love arcade shooters on top of hero shooters. Some of the Call of Duty challenges are a big pain, and I and like, a <laughs> yeah. thing, like weirdly annoying to do. Um, so I'm hoping Overwatch is not as bad, but yeah. So I'm overall fine with how they set it up. SV, 
What do you think? Yeah, and I think I think it, the 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 future will will have to debate when they tell us exactly what the challenges are. Right, like if the challenges come yeah. out and they're very fair, we'll be like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. And if they come out and they're like, I don't know, land a thousand headshots with this guy, you know, while, <laughs> widow while you're grappling, it's like, well, come on now, like oh, it's not reasonable. So I think like Which on that a, front, I wouldn't say go a good ahead. point though to to talk about the whole challenges thing is they've committed to no challenge should be disruptive to gameplay. Which is yeah. a good oh, thing, a good yeah, point good. to all this discussion currently. Yeah. So you'll notice it's like wins, healing, uh, shielded, uh, which if we get really into the weeds, could be disruptive depending on how someone plays. But realistically, it seems like they've done a good job about challenges are positive gameplay effects. Yeah. And I also think that like as long as they are yeah they're not overly niche like anyone because people will always say ah oh, well this challenge someone's gonna pick tank just to fill their challenge well if if they care so little about their games that they would just you know run it down and, and whatever challenge they were gonna throw your game anyway right this guy was gonna toss your game with the, the slightest incentive anyway so I'm not too concerned about like well this guy's only doing it for the challenge that's just that's some people only do yeah. that already for achievements and stuff i think uh someone made a good point in my chat which is about like this the subscription service and this isn't really like a point as much as a lament where it's like or just a state of the of state of play because you know in the subscription to like overwatch essentially is what we're talking about right second like subscription to overwatch was dan pretty like 30 dollars a year it's like it's very reasonable on its own, but as you said, Evie, like when you're juggling three games, all of a sudden it's a problem. It's kind of like again with streaming, it's like Netflix five bucks yeah. or whatever is reasonable, but then when you're trying to get Amazon Prime and you're trying to get Disney Plus, now yeah. you're starting to now you're starting to be like, oh man, this is too much. And again, I guess it comes down to well, you can't have it all, and you gotta you gotta kind of figure out what your priorities are and what you want. And it's funny because back in the day, back in my day, when the, in the Boomerland, you know, in the box model era, that was done to you by force. So what I prefer about the free-to-play models is that you have a bit of option, which is in the in the old model, how many of especially when I was a kid, how how could I afford to buy multiple forty, fifty dollar games or pound games for in my oh, case? Yeah. Right? I I couldn't. I would buy one. Yeah, you gotta beg your parents. <laughs> yeah, I beg to... them, and then they'd remind you that you, they don't love you that much and tough shit. And so, <laughs> you know, you had to like you had to make your decision and live with it. Where you're just like, okay, well, I'm gonna. I guess I'll pick this game and I'm going to grind it 10 out like 10 times over. I'm going to complete this game 10 times over cuz it's all I got. So I guess what I prefer about the free to play model is that I have the choice to kind of wade in in different levels of different games, right? Where it's like I like Overwatch the most, so I'm willing to give a lot of time to its battle pass and maybe complete it and spend money there. And I very casually like Valorant. Like I wouldn't pay for Valorant, but I like hopping in every now and then. And you know, so the ability to be able to hop in now and then, not care too much if I don't have the newest hero. Because I don't play that seriously, anyways. I prefer the customizability of the free-to-play model rather than the all-or-nothing uh, system, where the box model, where I had to choose a game and live with it. Evie, you you kind of had something you wanted to add. No, I just like it was just more of like I I, I agree, and that it was kind of like does anybody have a unique opinion or just an opinion at all rather of uh, how the current uh, buying the uh, the tears is handled? Yeah, because I feel how like it's relative. Well, I'm at three, and getting to max is, uh, what is that, $156? Oh, wow. It goes 150 any... to outright buy do... through it. Yeah, do we have any opinions on that price? Because it is different than other games. Uh, don't other um, games, it's like 60 bucks ish to usually finish? Like, I remember Fortnite, I thought it was around 60 back in like the it, early It's seasons. often a dollar per tier. This looks to be $2 per tier. 
I guess is an, adi I, an interesting addition here. It's a lot of money. It's there for those who want it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's like crazy or anything. I'm not upset about it. Yeah, I don't really I don't have, see many people do. <laughs> I never look at this because I, I would never consider doing it. Yeah, so I've never looked at it in another game. So I, I don't really have like a frame of reference for comparison on this one. Yeah, yeah I agree. In the sense that I, I haven't ever tried to straight up buy the entire battle pass. Again, my opinion would default to what I said earlier, which is that I feel like these things would level out. If enough people are buying the full battle pass, then Blizzard are happy. And yeah. if they're not, they're going to have to change the, the price point. Like... This, the numbers will even that out in my mind, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I yeah. think there's a good point here, though, from my chat that I'd, I'd be interested to discuss about, like, improvements. Um, if you've bought, uh, for people who have bought a pass, they can complete it whenever they want once they've purchased the pass. So while free players might ha yes. only have that time to, buy, to, to play that pass during its availability, if you've bought the pass... You might have three of the past passes available that you're slowly finishing. Is that would that be a friendlier I, way to make sure I that actually, if you purchased it? Yeah, yeah, I love that idea. Sorry, I kind of cut you off. No, yeah, I love the idea. Like, I don't know, like the um, like how it looks from the point of view. Like, why they wouldn't do it? Like, what would be the downsides to that? Like, why wouldn't you do that? Exclusive it, as, it would like time. maybe ruin the incentive to buy the next one. Right, Perhaps. people might just stay on the old one. Yeah, but and I mean, it's also, it also guarantees uh, their purchase. It also incentivizes people to just play all the time out of fear, like you know, fear of not being able. To yeah, 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 right. Yeah, FOMO. This that's one area I definitely think that they should allow you to finish the battle pass, no matter like, because because my philosophical uh, you know argument lies in the fact that you didn't pay for anything so like what are you expecting but when you pay for a battle pass you paid mm. for a product so i think you should be able to finish that product at your own given point in time yeah yeah mm. I, I mean i think it's a great idea if that would work from their end i think people would love them if they did that yeah i would too like i think that would be i think it would still be like all right, so you didn't buy it, so like it's not available to you. But it would still be timed, but also not be take like say for someone who paid it and they don't finish the pass, they get to se level seventy five. They're five levels away, and the next pass comes around. Even though they paid for the pass, they were five levels off, and they couldn't uh, get the Genji skin. Like that kind of thing is like yeah, yeah, yeah. Retaining I the pass, I feel like should be like because that's the biggest thing in all of this. While Overwatch, oh, okay, do I go on my do I go on my, <laughs> my on my my soapbox for Overwatch as a whole? Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Drop it. So, Jeff Kaplan, bless his soul. I love him so much. We owe Overwatch of what this entire conversation about we were spoiled with Overwatch. We owe that to Jeff. Jeff yeah. was a fan of Call of Duty. Jeff was a fan of Battlefield. He hated buying the same game every single year. He wanted to do right by the players, and he wanted to make sure that Overwatch was fair to the players who were paying and wanted to make sure that people got the updates that they paid for. And that I feel like we have gotten so used to the current ecosystem of games surrounding Overwatch that I feel like we forget that Overwatch was the trendsetter in the first place when it came to a game ongoing, continuously updating. People forget Overwatch was the one who set the trend in the first place, but people certain games took it further than that, i.e. Fortnite and um, what was a 
there was a certain like four letter fucking game that was somewhat recent that had it's one of the first that had a battle pass. That was the other I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but there was another one that kind of set trend set alongside Fortnite. And I want I say all that because all of this conversation, Dota. PUBG. Thank you, chat. Oh, Dota. Uh, okay. Apparently Dota. Yeah. Okay. So all of this conversation, notice how we're framing this from Overwatch is catching up. I want to frame mm. some of this conversation around Overwatch continuously being the shining light of how it should be done. While it's understandable that they catch up on some of these trends that are good for the company, good for money, good for gameplay and content, I think that we should be focusing some of our conversation on what can Overwatch do right by the player moving forward while still staying up to date with these current models. And I think that was a good example of being able to buy the pass and as long as you've bought it, you can complete it whenever you want, right? I think that's a simple, single good example of that would be better than almost every other system while still simultaneously being the same systems, right? Yeah. And so I think that as content creators, I think it is part of our position to further encourage better versions of these systems. We can't expect them to, like, say, for example, ditch a battle pass system. That ain't fucking happening, and I don't think most people want that to happen either. But it's an example of we as creators are in unique positions that we should champion improvement that is reasonable yeah. and is right by the player. Yeah. Dan, Nate, I you think, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Like, we need to get one step that, you know, makes the consumer happy that... You're, you're sorry, Dan, you're full robo right now. <laughs> you're like Let's, full uh, robo. I'm, I'm going to swap the Discord uh, region real quick. I think that'll help. How does that how are we doing, Dan? Testing one two. Oh, Dan's He's gone. fully gone now. <laughs> uh oh. Peace. Uh oh. Uh -oh. Dan. Yeah. Coming in. Uh oh. No. Oh. Okay. Well, while we while we wait for uh, Dan and Nate, do you have any do you have any thoughts? Uh, sort of, Dan. Yeah. Talk. So robot. Yeah. Do you want me to try swapping servers one more time to a different um, one? I'm yeah. going to do a quick PC restart, so I'll be like, one minute. All right, yeah. cool, cool. All right, Nate, do you have anything to say, sort of say on that topic before we, well, we wait for What Dan. topic were we on again? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, just, uh, so, just the idea of like, well, should Overwatch trend set in many ways and make game, like oh, make I these see. systems fair again? Make yeah, gaming uh, fair again. Well, the way you fr the way you framed that question, I feel like any other <laughs> any other answer besides yeah. No, okay, yeah. So I, mean, I, I disagree though. So I disagree actually. So I, 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 I'm not trying to you know lock you in a corner, but you go ahead. No, I feel locked in a corner. All right, but but obviously I like Overwatch being that beacon of hope, which I think is nice for like the brand how they've set up the game. It looks very hopeful. Um, I do agree. Uh, Overwatch, especially during the loot box era when everything was so crushing and anti-consumer, especially EA. It was nice that Overwatch came out into this world and it felt too generous as we keep using that word. Overwatch has always felt very generous, Overwatch 1, in that regard. So obviously I want it to always be like that going forward to Overwatch 2 and I want us to have all these generous systems in place. Um, and yeah, and I, you know, I see some of the comments in chat, like someone said like, oh, Kaplan's why we didn't have content. You know, we can't thank him for the, 
you know, just oh for the loot boxes. Uh, we, we have no idea what happened behind the scenes. You know, and- but we do, but we do. And I want to, I want to rant about it. Like we do know though, for anybody who played at lunch, give us a campaign, give us a movie, make us cinematics, make the campaign, like make missions. We are here because of that day. We, they chose and sought to make PvE available from pretty much day one in Overwatch. And these missions that we got through the seasonal content was them testing what they were capable of doing in Overwatch's one engine. And basically, notice how around mid-2017 is where they started recycling content. That was around the point where they're, pre- uh, they're prevising... Um, Overwatch 2, they're basically evaluating what they needed to do in order to get what they wanted done. And Overwatch 2 started back in mid-2017 from them doing the research work on what they needed to be, what they needed to accomplish from the development perspective in order to make what they wanted to when it came to PvE. That's why we're here today where they determined... We can't do this via simple update. There's too much that needs to be overhauled. And that's why we are in the situation where that's what, like we were saying, the what we're playing right now is the same game. PvP, it is the same game. The changes that we got are the Overwatch 2 coat of paint. And they happen to also evaluate 5v5 will be better for the game. If we look at it from that perspective, not much has changed in a good way. And that we have a massive thing to look forward to around the corner. We're not really evaluating this from a game. The game has come out. Now evaluate it. We are evaluating a portion of a revitalized part of the game that we've already been playing. And we have an immense amount to look forward to. And that the content drought was not meant to be five years. The content drought was meant to be a more simultaneous focus on Overwatch 1 with like the majority focus on Overwatch 2 over the course of about two and a half, three years instead of the five and a half that we got, right? And so we can owe a lot of that to, you know, overview and poor game direction or decision-making on the back end and, you know, a Bobby, Bobby dickhead um, <laughs> and... Uh, that, that decision-making, and, you know, we have many development stories of, hey, we worked on this feature for three months, and then we had to trash it because it was a shit idea and he was forcing us to do it, right? You know, there's various okay. aspects of that that come into play in understanding why we are here today. I just wanted to interject and say, like, I, 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 I totally agree with what you're saying. At the end of the day, though, I feel like these discussions about, like, what Jeff did or didn't do and what he was and wasn't responsible are kind of irrelevant because at the end of the day, he he's the game director, right? So yeah. we we will never know the ins and outs. We can speculate. We can go off of like what some someone said on Twitter and like what some game producer said after they left. And, you know, we can have like bits and bobs of information, but we're never going to have enough information to make like a a cohesive judgment of what exactly happened. So I think the way we, I, my personal view is like, Everything that happened in Jeff's period is is kind of comes down. Jeff is the ultimate. The buck ends on him. So everything we credit for him is everything we credit him with is great. And all the the bad things at the end of the day, as the game director, it comes down to him. Now there might have been mitigating circumstances. There might have been Bobby Fuckhead involved in all that. We don't know. 
But now we have to judge the new era under Aaron Keller. And if Aaron Keller makes good decisions, then okay, we can credit him and his team with the good decisions. And if they make bad decisions, we credit him and his team with the bad decisions. I don't think it really helps us to either trash Jeff and be like, Jeff was the problem or to eulogize Jeff and make it to be like, well, Jeff was the savior of it all. And he had to leave because the scummery from above, you know, drove him out. And it's like, well, we don't really know that. That's, that's your narrative that you're selling. Um, I mean, I, I would I would agree with the the sentiment and the ending point of we can't really know, and I would I would say that there's still things that we know for sure that are negative things from Jeff, and we know for sure there are some things that are positive from Jeff, but I think that a lot of players overly attribute negative things to him because he was the head, when in reality it's just it's a lot. We 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 seek out scapegoats and we seek out explanations in all these circumstances and yeah you know there are many negative things about jeff i mean a, a few examples of okay one example of the overall issue that i feel that you, you could attribute to jeff is he cared too much about making sure the entire team was on board about whatever they were doing i would argue that that was kind of part of the issue where he had certain ideas for overwatch that never happened to where he said you know he would say to himself directly if, if i had the decision alone this would have happened but i want the whole team on board you know if, if over 45 50 percent wasn't on board with the team that didn't happen for example at launch he wanted competitive uh moving forward as like a trend setting in the in the industry he wanted competitive to be you queued as a six stack or you didn't queue for comp that was an example of something you wanted Another example is he wanted one three two, one tank, three DPS, and two uh, two support. That's that's a system that he supported and wanted, and we didn't get it because it was too polarizing among the development team. There are so many examples of positive and negatives from different heads, and I think that there's actually a lot we can infer. But at like you were saying, at what point does it matter? Like to to pin on. E an individual, right? Realistically, we're still evaluating the game as a whole. And as much as I can defend how we got here from the development perspective, I can't deny, yeah, we pretty much for four years had skins, <laughs> you know? And so I can't really deny that or push it back, but I think it's valuable to know how we got here when moving forward, I guess would be the way I would summarize that. That's fair. Dan, welcome back, by the way. Um, sorry. We, uh, am I the, good now? Yeah, yeah you're I think perfect. So. You, 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 your camera's been good. I've been staring at it with, with lustful eyes for quite a while. <laughs> um, now, so I know you left around uh, the discussion of sort of what Evie had framed as like the, bringing the sort of fairness to it and sort yeah. of Overwatch trying to be like an industry leader. Do you have any sort of thoughts on, on what you want to share on that on that or just anything you've heard since you got back in? Um, I just want to say like, when Overwatch did come out, I think there was a lot of free-to-play games that were doing, you know, they, you, you start the game, you play it for free, then you have to unlock stuff, then you have to, you know, get a battle pass to get skins. At that time, I did not like those games because I was so used to just buying a box. Like, we gotta, we got to think about like how much games have changed over, like, the last 10 years. Like, I was still a box game guy back then. I loved the box games. You just buy the game, you go, you've got everything. Um... And like it's one of the main reasons why I never got into League of Legends. It was like, I don't actually want to spend the time to unlock these heroes. It annoys me. Why can't I just buy the game and play it? Um, so when Overwatch came out, I actually loved that I could just buy the game, 
and they weren't doing anything that would be considered scummy in terms of like hiding heroes behind paywalls and stuff like that you could just get it and play because even i think even in heroes of the storm like you had to get a hero and then you have to play that hero to unlock skills on that hero and i was like that is annoying even though i really like heroes of the storm that's annoying so i do think originally overwatch was like this game that was just built and it was like very fair from the consumer perspective and we've built to we've grown to love that over you know since it's been out and we've been playing it so I think if they can bring some of that back and not completely cave to just like, we're going to copy everyone else because we were falling behind, you know, obviously they have to do things to come back. You know, Overwatch was going downhill in terms of content and stuff. So they've got to do some stuff. But I think Evie's idea of like being able to get the battle pass, save it, do it when you want to do it, like would be a huge step like just that minor thing would be like a huge step from the consumer eyes of being like oh okay so blizzard still do care about making this game as fair as possible while still trying to make as much money as possible for themselves so they can continue to produce stuff and like if they can come up with ideas like that that are very consumer friendly that would be really really nice yeah i i really agree and i kind of want to add to that as well which is that i think there's a lot of goodwill gestures that could be done i think the battle pass yeah. thing is one and i think that in many ways i i think blizzard should do them i i don't get to make decisions sadly but mm. if i could if i could you know tell someone in blizzard i'd be like i think now is the time to make a lot of goodwill gestures because for many various reasons including stuff out of their control and you know s lawsuits and all that there isn't a lot of goodwill for blizzard right now and so it might be the case that they they do need to take less of a financial gain for more of a goodwill gain in the short yeah. term but of course it's easy for me to say that who doesn't have to yeah, pay yeah. the bills for all the developers right so it's easy for us to again be like give us these things give for us sure, these things sure. but we don't we don't actually have to pay the the uh, the checks at the end of the day so i don't i don't know what's going on behind the scenes i think they should do more goodwill stuff i think another good example would be uh an uh, issue i want to get to in a bit as well is that obviously the servers have been really borked for a while and people haven't gotten to play and i think a good step from their part would be to give everyone either an xp boost on the battle pass or some free levels mm. on the battle pass right now in lieu of the fact that so many people were looking forward to the release on tuesday and yep. were setting yeah, they'd set themselves to be able to grind this game and maybe some people paid for the watch point pack or the battle pass with the expectancy of like i'm gonna grind these couple days and they've been robbed of those days by the queue time issues and of course as we'll get to again the ddos is not out of their is out of their control but again it's like one of those things but they don't have to they don't have to give people free levels but wouldn't it be nice like wouldn't it spread some some of that goodwill if they did because i think it, everyone would be like ah that's nice yeah. at the same time though sorry go ahead dan is something you want to say I'm just going to cut in real quick and say it's a little bit frustrating because the legacy credit thing that came across could have been that thing. They could have been, if they communicated properly like a week ago, hey guys, you played so much Overwatch 1. We love that you've played so much Overwatch 1. We're going to give you all of your credits to use in Overwatch 2. And that could mean that you have up to $1,000 worth of money in credits. You just have to save them now and we'll give them to you. Like that could have been it if they communica communicated it just a slight bit differently. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely, hundred percent, and that's like this is again the many interconnecting frustrations we're watching. Like, oh well, on top of the system, it's also the communication, as Evie said, right? It's not just the system; it's the how they worded, it, yeah. how they phrased it, how they, and again, the over, in many ways, the over inundation of the blog post, which I also question, like, should every important piece of information come from a blog post, and not 
a you straight up developer update YouTube video where they summarize all this, considering that they they spam us with absolute inane Overwatch League crap on the uh, main Player Watch channel. Yeah. Where I'm like, <laughs> I don't care about that. I want to know what you're doing with your game, not like live co stream now. Come join, come join. I don't care. So I feel like some of that is a is an issue. But I wanted to also add. On the flip side, having said all of that, I also think that as a community, we need to stop punishing Blizzard for being so fair for their earlier model, right? Again, like Overwatch 1 was so incredibly generous to us. We just, I don't think we quite appreciate even now how, like for your whatever $60 purchase, and again, if you purchase maybe Overwatch later down the line, it wasn't even $60, it was maybe like $20, $30 or something. The amount of like monetary value that you got is so incredibly unreal that we haven't appreciated it. And in many ways, we're punishing Overwatch 2 and Overwatch, the development team, because their new model is less fair compared to their old model, but they they were already giving us so much extra that I feel like our responsibility should be like, damn, man, they really did good by us. Now yeah. is our time to like return the favor and be like, yo, let's let's give these guys some money for the absolute, you know, plethora of content they gave us. And end of end of rant. Sorry, here go go ahead. No, yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Okay. So <laughs> Well, that brings us then, great debate, uh, that brings us to uh, <laughs> the next point then, which is, as I alluded to, the stuff about the server issues, because we kind of touched on it, but there is a, a few sort of conspiracy theories floating around where people feel like maybe there was no DDoS attack, it was just Blizzard weren't prepared for their launch. No. Um, so, Evie, yeah, Evie, go ahead, like, how do you feel about just the, the queue time issues, the DDoS, and just some of these, you know, uh, some of these kind of technical problems? I think people are out of their fucking minds. Of course they got fucking DDoSed. Do you know how many people, if they had the, the know-how or the or the, the mental capacity or the the funds to DDoS Blizzard? Fuck yeah. The the odds of one single person having the means to do so is very, very, very fucking high. And we've had DDoSes in the past on just random fucking days. It's not out of the ordinary for, for Overwatch servers to get DDoS. Let's be real with ourselves. Anyone saying that it wasn't actually a DDoS is just trying to further make Blizzard look worse and say they're trying to cover up. In fact, I think Blizzard has actually done a good job at trying to minimize making an excuse. Notice the key thing, an excuse. Mm -hmm. If they were trying to, if the, if the DDoS was fake, they would be using that excuse everywhere multiple times. In fact, they've basically only, through a, f a few developers, mentioned the DDoS, and once at the bottom in a single sentence on a forum post mention it on the launch issues. If it was them trying to make a gigantic excuse, it would be everywhere on their socials or something like that. Like, it, people are out of their minds. Let, let's be real here. And I don't, I don't think we should even entertain that possibility any further, frankly. Yeah, I, I agree with Evie. I'm not much of a tin foil hat guy myself. Um, but I... I think it's pretty common for this sort of thing to happen. I mm -hmm. don't think Blizzard is lying about there being a DDoS. I don't think that's it. it's just them trying to lie and they were secretly not prepared. Um, I'm not surprised there was a DDoS attack. It's happened to multiple games. We've had it on Overwatch before. It just sucks. It really, really sucks it happened on the launch day. Obviously, that's when it was planned for whoever did it. Um, yeah, it sucks. It kind of made Blizzard look bad that day and everyone got a bad first impression. Um, but yeah. I mean, I haven't had any issues, though, today. I think it's all been taken care of, right? Is anyone else still having login issues? I had I a mean, queue of, like, 100 um, people I have to wait through, but I was in under a minute. I've Sound been very lucky anyway 
like the last three days. Um, but there's definitely still some issues. It's hundred percent better today, but like there's still people coming to my chat being like, yo, I can't get in, I can't play, I don't have my item. So like it still exists. It's still oh, ongoing. Yeah. It's definitely okay. a very rough launch of Overwatch 2. Because we're like, well, this is day, yeah, exactly three days after launch. Well, whatever 48 plus 24 is. Yeah, I, and I think like, if we're actually honest with ourselves, this launch has been actually really fucking impressive. Like, there's a lot happening, a lot of moving parts, a lot of yeah. people wanting to come back, a lot of people wanting to try it again. The fact that Reminder, while it has been a more gradual thing over the past like year or so, this is a global game, cross-play, cross-servers. Uh, it is now, you cro it automatically connects you to the right servers. It is now, instead of every single platform, it is input-based. All the console players are playing together. All the keyboard and mouse players are playing together. There's a lot that went right. I think cosmetics one thing to remember. Trying to transfer your cosmetics. Go ahead, Dan. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, transfer I think one thing. Integration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One thing to remember is that like it's not just a new game that has crossplay and is on all platforms. It's transferring from the old game and adjusting to yep. crossplay. Like moving those databases forward is a lot harder just releasing a fresh game that has fresh databases. Like, if you want to extend those servers to deal with things, you have to get a new server and you have to get those databases across, replicated across those servers. Like, it is not yeah. easy on that scale at all, especially when you get DDoSed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think as well, like, uh, whether, you know, whether you believe in the conspiracy or not, I think at the end of the day, again, my message is always seems to be, is like, human empathy. Like, I... Yeah. I know so many, I've like met a lot of the devs, you know, and I, 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 again, I know that that triggers shill alarm bells in people's minds, but like, you know, I've met the devs and you gotta, you gotta also take a feel for them for a second where it's like, they've been waiting for years, literally years for this moment. And it's, it's been shit on for them as well. Like as much as we've been looking forward to watch two and we've been desperate to play, like these are people who have been making this game behind the scenes for like years at a, at a point in time. And even if you say like only the PVP part was nine months, still many, many months of work where they've been getting shit on and left, right, center, but everyone with an opinion on the internet, right? Like it's people being like, what are these guys doing? These guys are clowns. They don't know what they're doing. Like they're, they're fucking clueless. What have they been doing all this time? And then they're finally like, here's this day comes. We're going to be able to show you guys exactly what we've been doing. We want all of you to play and have fun and, and enjoy our work. And of course, this happens. They don't want this to happen. They want you to play the game. They don't want to sit here and be like, everyone's cute time logging in, DCing middle of a comp game. Yep. So it's like heart heartbreaking for them as well. So like, you know, tr try and keep one eye out for them as well. Like you might not have sympathy with because you're like, ah, oh, well, they're getting paid for it. It's their job. But like, this is soul crushing for them as much as it is for us to not be able to play. So like, it's, it's just a shit situation. Hopefully it's resolved soon. Obviously, they're working overtime over the clock to get it resolved. And I hope we can soon, you know, all get to play without any issues on that front. Mm -hmm. Anything to add from that point, guys? Yeah, most important thing to remember is that, like, it being down is really bad for them. They're going to be working their asses off to try and get the game up because they want to get you into the shop spending money. The more players they can get in into the shop spending money, the more successful it is for them. And, like, that's all they care about in the first three days. So, you know, that that's why you need a bit of empathy because, like... It's the only thing they want to do right now. Well, that leads us to another issue about letting people in, which uh, is the SMS Protect, which obviously has caused a lot of controversy when it was announced. It was a this is going to be a juicy real, one. Yeah, it was a real pain. I feel like we're going to 
We're going to disagree a bit in this call now. Ooh, well, that's it. good. So, I, I, okay, Evie said us something because I know where Evie stands, and then I'll be curious to see where you guys stand. Evie, you have not been a fan, is that correct, of the SMS Protect? It's And also, actually, just to set the context, so guys, for those who may be out of the loop, uh, they initially announced that everyone would have to have SMS Protect, and that meant that there were certain pre-paid pre plans that people around the world, and of course, this, is a, this is really is a global issue because so many countries handle this so differently, and the culture mm -hmm. of different places is different. A lot of people with their pre-paid pre 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 plans, wow, this is like Peter Piper over here, were not able to get <laughs> <Speaking> in. <of. laughs> we're not able to get into the game, and the game that they were loved previously was suddenly shut down, not able to get into it anymore. However, uh, yesterday, I believe it was, Blizzard announced that they are going to change it so that if you own an Overwatch 1 account, You'll be able to play Overwatch 2 without without uh, the thing. With I won't say or try attempt to say again. Um, so SMS Protect will only be needed for new players going forwards, and I think that starts today. If I'm not remember if I'm remembering correctly, the transfer. Over. I think so, I think it started last night when they took the servers down. That was part oh, of the okay. maintenance. Okay, so Evie, go ahead and, and sort of uh, give us your feelings on it. If this call happened to uh, a day or so ago my tone would be extremely different but as you've said with the change um it is a it, it, it it's not perfect but it is a massive step forward to improving the sms protect uh, measures i have an immense amount of opinions regarding how onboarding experience first time player experience and uh, the defense matrix, as they're calling it, along with SMS Protect, because realistically, we are entering the discussion on defense matrix. Defense matrix is the term that they are utilizing for their overarching tool sets and different features and changes to prevent smurfs and hacking via multiple accounts. And so the reason why that's important is part of my complaints as well is that this a lot of this was not communicated on the onboarding of first-time player experience, SMS Protect, etc., where these are things that are fundamental that every player is going to have to interact with, but were crammed into the Defense Matrix article because from the developer point of view, they are part of the Defense Matrix, where these are all features that come together to solve an overall overarching issue, right? So all of these individual features solve an overall problem but from the communication perspective these needed to be individual things communicated hey day one here's what to, to expect as a new player and day one here's what to expect as an existing player we didn't properly get that we kind of did we had a post that did cover some of this but it should have been here's a post on what everything you should know about a new as a new player and here's a post for everything you should know as an existing player but we kind of had to piecemeal some of these issues and knowledge from articles that, frankly, most people shouldn't have to read the Defense Matrix article. You know, that should be a bonus for people who care or people who want to know that they're playing a game that is protecting them. But that's not the type of article that was being conveyed of like, that's not the type of thing that the average player should have to read in order to know what they're expecting. So then we get back to SMS where before the change, flat out, no matter what platform, and that's an important one a lot of PC players forget, no matter the platform, you now need a Battle.net account. If you're playing on Switch, you need a Battle.net account. And now, no matter the platform, you needed a phone, or if you're a new player, no matter the platform, you also need a valid phone number. 
valid being a pivotal word, being that depending on your phone plan, on if it's prepaid, the region, on how those regions interact with those numbers, and also just databases of numbers. Uh, for those who don't know, any number is a tied to a data set of numbers for how that provider works. Say Google voice numbers, I'm pretty certain don't work because those are Google voice numbers. It's, a number isn't just a number. The, those numbers are associated with services. And so services that give you free numbers are not going to be available to be used for the SMS protect in order to protect. Now, the change we got was enabling, I believe it was sometime in June of 2021, um, as long as somebody has logged in before that time, they have an account that does not need SMS Protect enabled in order to play. That means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And now we're in this situation where if you want to play with a friend for free and your existing player, you might not need the number, but now your friend does. And you know, that's that was one of my key issues that this would be my my explanation right now would be a lot more heated if we did not get the change. Because it locked out paying players who bought the watch point pack, who bought Overwatch One, who have been playing for years, paying customers from playing the game because they're too poor to have a phone number. It was cutting out an immense amount of the player base and still is. It's just far narrower. Of a, of a subset of people. It's still an issue. It's, they should still continue to further improve it and narrow that number down. But realistically, we are entering a phase where this is part of the free-to-play issue, where like I said at the very start, my complaints with the game are not the gameplay. It is the system surrounding it and how that excludes certain types of players, namely poorer players, from enjoying the game properly. While I might have had the complaint of a free player might be able to get a legendary skin on average maybe twice a year uh, if they play avidly or once a year if they play casually, realistically, the other part of that issue is if they're a new player and they like it and they want to play Overwatch, Overwatch is not a free game. Overwatch is a free game if you're already paying for a phone plan. And that is an important thing to keep in mind. And while they want it to be a game where everyone can join in, all their friends are joining in and whatnot, these are important things to keep in mind when expressing, hey, it's a free-to-play game, but it's, you know, frankly, we should do better about communicating, this is a free-to-play game, but you need a valid paid phone number. And that sucks. But it's kind of the overarching issues of all of these systems intertwining where, for both good, they're trying to protect players, bad, where it's that protecting players is fucking over a lot of players. And I think as a whole, personally speaking, I think that they should require SMS Protect exclusively for competitive. Because if we're real with ourselves, that is the vast majority of bad actors' focus is competitive. Which is then a subset of the, a lot of those bad actors are focusing on either they just want a higher SR or they want to ruin streamers' matches. If we're honest with ourselves, our existence as streamers hurts a lot of casual players because of those bad actors targeting us. And so with all that being said, mm -hmm. I think we need to enter a situation where it is not required to have a number to play Overwatch. It is required to have a number for the things that they're trying to protect. The problem is, as Blizzard has stated, uh, they don't want to do that because they don't want to come across as over uh they don't want to come across as comp is the only one they care about protecting. 
which is an understandable viewpoint to worry about. They don't want to seem that they're playing favorites with competitive players, where, you know, the realism is cheaters will participate in quick play, even with SMS Protect, but also without it. And, and not just quick play as well, but or not just cheaters as well, but also just if the their whole defense matrix system is, is tied around curbing toxicity and any bad behavior. So yes, abusive exactly. chat and, and, you know, just people being bad people. That also then, when you're attaching SMS to it, that makes it so even if they're being banned because of quick play actions, they can't just get back in on a new account. Now, yeah. Dan, Nate, do you guys want to have any opinions on what Evie has said? Yeah, go for Dan, it, like to go? Okay. Um, yeah, I have a lot of opinions. So I knew Evie's take on this because I saw the tweets. And with the changes Blizzard had yesterday, I think we're like way more aligned on some stuff because mm-hmm. um, the changes were a really big deal. My main focus and the entire conversation and where my head is at, I just want legitimate players being able to play. I feel like that should be the key focus for everyone. I hope that's like baseline common sense. Every legitimate player should be able to play Overwatch. Okay, so now going forward from that, obviously before the change, we had certain phone carriers and the prepaid stuff. I don't know exactly how that whole world works, but obviously there was people getting cut out. I don't want that to happen. I also don't want the gameplay integrity to be ruined. And so in my head where I was going with this is especially the competitive mode because that's what like we really, really, really care about wins and losses in there. And that's where I agree with EVA bringing up. I wish a lot of these features were more kind of tied to competitive. Or I should say that's really where I care. So I'm okay with people like the funnel being a lot wider for everyone to come in free to play. They don't need, you know, the SMS protect as strictly to get into quick play and arcade with their friends. I'm very much for like, I wish competitive was like ultra guarded. Like that should be, maybe that's a hot take, but even however the VOIPs work, I don't even know what that actually stands for, but the way it's been the explained is like- internet protocol. Those are apparently like easier to kind of spoof or get. And so if you're going to turn through alt accounts and hack accounts, like those are a lot more manageable to do instead of like going to AT&T and getting another phone plan. Obviously that's no hacker is going to hopefully go through all that. Um, I'm okay with competitive having, (laughs) 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 yes, some some crazy people out there, but you know, obviously the numbers are going to be lower. Um, so I, I hope they treat the competitive game mode as like the ultimate guard. Like this is where we're going to be very strict on players coming in. This is where you need to have a, a real cell phone provider or whatever, Maybe that's a hot take of some people, unfortunately, can't play comp, but that's because that percentage of people that can't play means the other percentage of people that are going to ruin the matches for other 10 players aren't in. Like, I'm okay with that trade-off. We're talking competitive here. I want people to still be able to play with their friends and go into quick play in arcade and enjoy the rest of the game. But the competitive mode especially, I want them to be ultra strict to the highest degree. And I want them to ban more people, obviously, as well, for like toxicity and stuff in the game. Um, Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I'm glad they made the change. I think blocking a lot of people, like people are saying like cricket or the Metro thing, like if you have that and you still weren't able to play Overwatch and like quick play with your friends, that sounds a little silly to me. I feel like you should still be able to do that. Um, Yeah, so I'm glad they made that initial change. And competitive going forward, I hope they really lock that mode down and they don't start letting everyone in. Yeah, agreed. Dan? Yeah, so um, pretty much agreed. I think it's ridiculous to like keep people out of the game because they don't have a certain phone plan or they have a phone plan that's not acceptable. 
I think they made a huge mistake here because, I mean, even even with the changes, I still think it's a big mistake. Yeah, obviously, it's nice that now older people can get in if they were on these certain phone plans. But, like, there's going to be a lot of new players coming to the game right now. And if someone's on one of those phone plans, they still can't get in. Like, in an hour and a half, they're about to drop a huge cinematic at TwitchCon. They're about to do the drops thing. Loads of players are going to come along. And, like, some of those players are going to have phone plans where they cannot play. And that is really bad for the game. So, you know, in the same vein as, like, loosening it up so it's only on comp... I think they need to loosen it up massively right now. Like, just let all of those phone plans in and then tighten it up over time. Because right now is the most important time for them to let people in. And, like, over time, like, maybe in a few months down the line, it's like, oh, we can start, you know, working on dealing with this phone carrier that's got a lot of fake numbers coming from LA. We get rid of Google Voice. But for now, you just let everybody in because it's super important to just let people play. So I want to I want to play devil's advocate here a little bit. I think there's there's two potential possibilities here. Either Blizzard are grossly incompetent, or they know something we don't, because there's no way they didn't do the, their market research to know exactly how many people this would affect. Right? This, this a decision like this wasn't just made out of thin air. And the problem is when we talk about stuff like this, I find that whatever decision a game makes, people are always upset with the opposite. Which is that when we announced free-to-play, people were like, Well, this is Smurf Town now, isn't it? This is fucking cheaters everywhere. She's going to be in my comp game. Alt accounts in my alt. People were just, you know, people were like, This is going to be horrible for the game. I remember so many people coming into my chat be like, Oh, if, if free-to-play is going to make our games a ruin now. And so they're like, Well, we're going to try and protect that. We're going to add this measure. And any measure you add will always bar some legitimate people, right? There's no way of adding a protective measure that doesn't bar some legitimate people. Otherwise, again, how would it prevent hackers from just making a new account? So clearly Blizzard somewhere have done their market research and their blog post said, this is industry standard. We've kind of seen it. We know how this works. And from having spoken to the devs, they do tend to have like a lot more in-depth figures than what we know about like how many people are doing yep. what. Yep. Mm -hmm. So my guess is that they looked at that number and were like, okay, well, 10% of our potential player base is going to lose out. Because this is why I, this is why I think they haven't expen extended the SMS Protect to new players because they're just trying to stop old players being pissed off. They still believe that whatever number of people right. are going to be sacrificed by the SMS Protect is enough of a loss that they're happy to take in favor of making the entire game system more stable and more fair and more like have better integrity because again quick play does matter to people arcade does matter to people they want to they want to ban all these people they want to protect all this stuff so clearly that's I, I think that's what's going on here i think they don't actually agree with us that this is stopping a huge market of people i don't know i generally don't know i can sit here and be like this really sounds like it's an anti-poor person measure and this sounds really dystopian but i have no idea what percentage of people is actually stopping and I'm assuming Blizzard do. So either it's gross incompetence and they have no idea or they've vastly underestimated how many people are being blocked by this or they just know something we don't and that's why they've gone with this. That's how I see it. I don't think it's incompetence. Definitely not that. And mm -hmm. I completely agree with you that they still believe in the system. And I believe that, you know, for stuff like, you know, the cricket thing, um, I don't know which services it was, but they, there's some legitimate phone providers that have got that have gotten cut, cut out from this. Like, they're going to work on getting those involved eventually, which is why I'm saying, you know, you loosen it up now when we have this big wave of legitimate new players coming in, and then over time, you tighten it up. Because I have no doubt that over time, they're going to make it a much better system. Like, these other phone providers that are not available right now, 
should be available in the future, I would imagine. But that's just speculation. Can I can I respond a counterpoint to that, which is that is that not yeah. potentially baiting someone into buying the game and then later being locked out? As opposed okay. to locking them out now, that is true. like buying like a battle pass something and then locking them true. out later versus, okay, well, you can't come in now, but you can come in later. Especially considering we know this isn't even the final version of the game. We know the real stuff is coming. So yeah. is it not better to like bring them in later and then, you know, keep them out for now rather than baiting them? I would say, yeah, I agree with that. So it's a difficult situation for sure to deal with like a free-to-play game and, you know, keeping the cheaters and the smurfs out. Um, I don't know. I, I, like tough. you say, like it's more complicated than it looks because you've just shut down my idea pretty much. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I apologize. I just, I just no, came it's to good. My it's good. It's good. Nay, Evie, any, any sort of further thoughts? Well, I have another thing to add to it is obviously we wouldn't need this in the first place if there were better systems in place to detect actual problem makers in the community that are cheating, hacking, whatever, Which and they, they could be removed. Improved. Yeah. I mean, that's part of my complaint. And one of the things on my list that I think is we've had slight clarification since I wrote it, but this is a good time to mention that they have um, actually pausing. Were all three of you not part of the creator summit? Just so, just so I know who, I was, who knows I, what here. I was not, no. You're right. Okay. So, uh, do you want to do a rundown of some things, SVB, or do you want me to? Yeah, go ahead. You, you started to go for it. Um, okay, so there's a lot of things improved, and that while all these things are also public, just having it directly explained from the devs in a panel-esque form, we, we know a lot, creators know a lot of details who were at that summit in order to explain some of these systems. Um, there's many of them. Um, they, they, are, they have been using, uh, they've been basically training a from the ground up AI for years now um, for both text disruptive, gameplay disruptive, not playing a hero as intended disruptive, um, voice disruptive. They they have actually got a Swiss Army knife of now capabilities to detect improper behavior in their game, and it's rather impressive. I'm not gonna lie, and. To that point, Nate, it's like that is the the thing is like I think that Blizzard has taken a every single angle approach when it comes to Overwatch 2. Instead of the slow over time improving certain aspects to where maybe it they have been slowly improving. It's asinine to imply that they haven't been improving their existing systems. But now we are in a situation where they're improving the actual detection, but as well as the prevention would be the way to put it, right? Because as much as we want to focus on, all right, we'll detect the cheater and get rid of them, I think Blizzard wants to prevent them from being able to play in the first place alongside better detection, right? And so yep. I think that this is a more multifaceted thing that they are dealing with that I, for the most part, agree with everything being said. And I think that for to to summarize in my negative twinge aspect to this being that one of the things that I think that they will need to tweak is how long um, the AI has to detect improper behavior upon reporting. Because while I have had clarification that the window is wider than they first made it seem, um, the implication is still if someone 
you know, in my case, if somebody calls me a tranny, they expect me to stop mid-fight and go report them so the AI has as accurate as possible moment to know where to report. So they expect us to, even if it's comp, regardless, they expect us to take as accurate as possible report, timing, and description inside the text box in order to, one, improve the AI, two, actually get the report across, and three, actually have something done because right now as it seems if we report you know how many times have you had someone do something shitty to you you get off for the night and then the next day you're like you know what yeah i should report that person and they're in your recent player list and you go and report them right you know for a lot of us those bad moments are pretty memorable and we can make a pretty accurate description and report that person well as it stands right now they want you to report it right the fuck then in order to have the most accurate report possible, timing, um, accuracy of the AI's detection, and how long they store that data on their servers. That's my current main complaint with that thing, where I think it's very unfair to make a player receive toxicity and expect them to further put themselves at a disadvantage just to get a report across, when really that should be on them to make it as as easily as possible accessible to have an accurate report and not put on the player to put themselves at a further disadvantage when they're already having a poor experience like if they're put in the if they're put in the position in the first place where they need a report you shouldn't be telling them to further put themselves in a poorer position if they want justice i feel like a very simple solution to that is what dota does because i've seen this in dota is like when you report someone it just asks you how when did this happen one minute ago right. five minutes ago ten minutes like it just yep. tells you it just gives you those options like that surely is not a difficult thing to add i while i agree i think blizzard is doing the uh expect your players to have no fucking clue what they're looking at approach as blizzard is constantly doing which i can go on an entire other tangent about <laughs> but i think they're trying to keep it as simple as possible which is why we only have report and we have like five preset options which covers just about any bad behavior and then you can maybe do a description and send or most people don't put that description right so i think they're trying to narrow it down i'm sure in the report system even adding one more selection would be an entire process of months of research and development just adding a single option mm -hmm. to the potential reporting information so while i agree that would be great I've, over the years of criticizing Blizzard, I've realized we can't have nice things. <laughs> Dan, Nate, how do you feel about just kind of the whole thing that was mentioned? Especially, as, you know, you, maybe you're are you learning this for the first time? Like, did you have any idea like as to how the AI worked? I had no idea, but I mean, I had no idea the extent of it. Like, I thought it was just taking the voice, uh, translating it to text, and then analyzing that. I didn't realize it went so deep as to you know. Maybe they're detecting, you know, what the character is doing at that moment in time. Yep. Um, but as someone learning, expand on that moment to before you yeah. further give that opinion. Right. Um, so one thing that's interesting is like not only can they detect when you're like standing still, looking mm -hmm. around, they can detect when you're like backing up or staying in spawn. They can detect all these different types of things. One of the things that they were also pretty impressively describing is they can tell intonations and expression and voice. Yep. So like saying a curse word, but saying it a certain way excitedly can be very different to the AI than saying it derogatorily if somebody else talked previously sh shortly before. They can detect yeah. 
all of those angles. And so it's fairly impressive. But over time, we have to do as best as we can with reports to mm -hmm. further it knowing yeah. what is actually. Sorry, continue. So as, as someone who's learning software development and programming, this is very interesting to me. And I've got like a big interest in AI and machine learning. Mm -hmm. And it's completely understandable as to why they want that report instantly, because like you want to feed the machine learning algorithm mm -hmm. that small specific point of time so it doesn't get like confused with the rest of the information. I think SVB's idea is the best. You put up the report screen and then you have like a slider or something. It's like it happened at this moment. Um, cause I, I understand why you can't just get to the end of the game report. Like it's going to have to look through the entire game and that's not going to work for a, a machine learning algorithm until we're like five to 10 years in the future. And it can just detect that. So I get why it needs that small moment, but it does sound, it does sound a bit ridiculous that, you know, you're mid fight, you have to stop because then you could be reported. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to get reported for reporting someone if someone decides to be, you know, a really bad actor and it's going to detect you as standing still in the middle of a fight doing absolutely nothing. So, the def it definitely sounds like there needs to be a system where you can just pick the time and you can just do it either when you die or at the end of the game. Nate Yeah, I so I knew a little bit about the systems. I didn't know that it would detect um the different intonations of your voice, like if you're saying cursor, I didn't know it was that crazy. Um, but I knew they hey, were I like, always is. Hey, I always is yeah, that crazy. I, I knew they were like really rolling out some new systems that you know for the space, especially. And obviously, I just hope it works. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> this is another area though, where again that same gripe comes up. Where I obviously I was there at the summit and I heard all of this, but I have not spoken about it publicly because I was like, well. NDA and I'm scared and I don't want to get sued and you know Jose Mourinho I prefer not to speak but it's uh, it, it's clearly like you guys are like damn that's that's a lot that's really impressive and I, I gather the general reception is what we had at the summit which is like whoa that's that's really cool I mean a little bit dystopian but really cool and you know, <laughs> it seems like going to do a lot to, to shut down bad actors and yeah it doesn't feel like that's been really publicly talked about now I assumed it was because they didn't want maybe the general public to know too much about the ins and outs so they can't exploit it but like I feel like they should be beating this from the rooftops, you know, just being like, our AI is really good. It's really going to shut down yeah. all the stuff that you guys hate. And like, again, th that stuff that gives you confidence that Blizzard are doing the right things, as opposed to being like, why, what I gather the current perception is, oh, yeah, it's just another flimsy report system that, you know, isn't going to shut down to many people. And it's just, the, they just say they're going to stop it, but it's not really going to do it. I would say that the public perception is what I had. And like, I, again, mm -hmm. I know about programming and AI. My perception was that it'll record the voice logs, translate to text, and then it will just scan that text for, you know, bad words and, you know, other things that they might want to look at. Kind of like how it does with text chat now. I mean, but it sounds way more intense, which is really if cool. If we're honest know. with ourselves based on that AI, there's probably like IDs to certain curse words and IDs to what it detected. And so it's probably not literally translating every single word into text, but rather recording points of interest of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's probably doing something along those lines and that the detection will probably detect what type of word and how it was said and then put down a... pretty much potentially put down a code for what it was. And then if somebody pulls it up, it would be a translated information, right? 
Yeah. So that's that's how I would infer it works. And to if I can real quick also on your point, SCB, to my perception, a lot of this was described to us so we can describe best to the audience what we've learned and how to best educate players because as much as they are saying themselves, we can we are learning all the details. And while certain things are NDA'd for very specific things, like there's a couple of numbers you can probably think of that we were shown in that presentation that we cannot talk about, right? But there are things that are described to us on how they work that while we can't get too into details on like, say, anti-cheat, right? Um, like the actual detection of cheating algorithm, we wouldn't be getting that information. But I think how basically instilling confidence in us on how things work so we can help instill confidence in the player base as content creators that's how i yeah, perceived it but that's that can only ever be a, an addendum to your plan it cannot be your plan because it was then one thing blizzard understand is that only a fraction of people even interested in this game are going to listen to your content creators like only a fraction yes. of people playing this game are, are tuning into streams to listen to them convey if if, if all of us are even capable or interested in conveying that properly to the rest of their audience right because again i would say you're perhaps on the high end of the people in the summit who even understand these things to be able to then convey them in a cohesive manner to the next guy let alone you know even want to do it so mm -hmm. that like to me again it's like a, it's a failure of priority of like not understanding what people are, are, are going to want to hear from Blizzard and what, they, what they're afraid of and how you can allay those fears. Whereas this is like a really easy win, I feel like, to just have like a dev update that's like, yeah, by the way, it's going to be bitching, this algorithm. Like, this AI is going to like mm -hmm. absolutely go to town and you guys should be very, very safe. I think that you're missing two things here. Mm -hmm. Two key things here. One, um, don't worry, they know this. That I, I can't even say anything more than that, but they know, and it's getting it improved. But also from the angle of making everyone know, yeah, I don't think Blizzard wants to say, yeah, we had such a problem with cheaters, we developed a whole fucking AI for it, and we had such a bad issue with people being so sh such shitty people in our game that we had to pour thousands and hundreds of thousands of man hours into fixing it. That hey, hey, look at this thing we have now; it's dealt with. I don't think they want to but publicize how big of yeah, an issue to, it was in order to you know, deal with it. You don't have to frame it like that. You can just be like, hey, look, we no, know what I, keeps no, you guys away the from the... Yeah, but it's a it's a bad perception because like uh, online it's toxicity is like... Of, it's the average Everyone who plays games knows that online games are toxic. In fact, that keeps so many <laughs> that, people away from it. No, it hypes me up knowing how good and how hard they're working, like building an AI yeah, for four years. That's insane. Yeah. Like that hypes me up. I feel like it would hype up most people if we knew about it. Properly. Yeah, I, th I think the average online gamer either knows they're going to get toxicity or explicitly stays away from online gaming because they know it's going to be toxic. And I feel like this is part of their, like, the kind of initiatives they're to put before where, you know, when Jeff Kaplan came in with, like, play nice, play fair. Remember that one developer update where he's like, you know, we're doing all this to, to, to combat toxicity. Like, I don't see how this is any different where it's like, we know online games are toxic place and we're going to stop it. And this is how we're doing it. I think there's just also an addition here of an aversion to anything AI related. Maybe. Is, Anyways, is this, is, this, is, this is kind of a, a relatively niche area that I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, we're Sorry. Kind of, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm the one who went there. Um, no, I did after so, Nate said something about preventing and dealing with in the first place. Is there anything else anyone wants to add before I add to the next area? 
Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about, and I think, again, Evie, I know you're annoyed with this, but I want to, I want to frame this to Nate first. Nate, they're taking away, they've like, I, 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 from what I gather, the, the stats from Overwatch 1 are gone. So our records of what we did in Overwatch 1, poof. And I think unless Blizzard have kept, Evie, you, you can actually, maybe I should just let Evie explain this. The stats are gone, they're only going to be recorded for seven seasons, is that correct? Going forwards. So, going forward, there will only be six months of history, or six seasons of history available for competitive. So right now, we have 31 and forward from Overwatch 1. Once seasons 2 starts of Overwatch 2, 31 is going to go poof. So then if we look a bit forward, the current games that you are playing of competitive in Overwatch 2 for season 1, come season 7, the proof of your efforts in season 1 of Overwatch 2, poof, gone. They will only be keeping 6 seasons of data. What part of the... To quickly touch on the frustration on my end is they refused to let us communicate this to the public ahead of time, even though we knew that ahead of time. And the simultaneous frustration of they said stats would transfer over. Clearly, not all of them. Nate, I know you've yeah. been kind of you know, you've been an OG playing since the day one, and you I know you pride yourself on like having like that. I got that OG top five hundred icon. I got all of it. How do you feel about all this? Uh, obviously, I wish we had all of our stats from the beginning. I thought it was really cool to go through someone's profile and see how they developed like over time from the characters they mained because the cut, you know, you see those big color bars for the color of each hero. The colors on my profile like have changed so much over the seasons, like from 2016 mm -hmm. to 2022. It's kind of cool to see how I've developed as a player with my hero pool, with my rank. You see me start in like diamond and then work my way up to season 17. I finally hit top 500 and like kept it there. And I was super proud of that at the time. And obviously, yeah, it sucks that that's just gone. Now it's like the last six seasons. So now it's like, okay, well, I guess now it just shows Master Grandmaster. There's no really real development here. It's kind of just boring. And I know my hero pool now, so it's not changing much. And I really like going through other people's profiles. And game. Maybe this is a bad <laughs> thing too. At the start of every match, I'm always going through people's profiles. I'm like, what do they play? Okay, who's on my team? What are their mains? Let me make sure no one's playing a hero that they have like zero time on. Okay, let's look at the other team. Like, I'm on tank. The first thing I do each game, I look at the other team's tank, and I'm like, what am I going to expect to play against? And I'm already going to make a hero decision off that sometimes. Um, that's why I really like it when people have their profiles public. Um, <laughs> but it's almost like competitive advantage at a certain point. It's like when I see, oh, they're going to be playing Doomfist and Junker Queen only? Like, okay, I, I guess we're going to win this game. I'm just going to go Zarya or D.Va, and it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, but I think it really sucks. Now, the big thing, I know we have our resident Dota enjoyer as we be here as well. In the League of Legends community, and I don't know if Dota has this as well, League of Legends has like all of these amazing stats. I'm sure Dota has it. Huge stats that track back like for forever. Websites that are like dedicated to tracking everything and know everything. Overwatch has like nothing like this. We had, was it called like Overbuff or something? And it was pretty yep. stuff. Yeah. Okay. And that's like going way back. I don't know if anyone even uses that stuff anymore. But I wish we had an Overwatch version of that. Like, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. if, if Blizzard wants to take this out of our game client, okay, at least give us a website. We can go look at this and like have more detailed stuff in a breakdown. Now, gosh, even Halo was doing this with like Halo Reach you know, back in the Xbox 360 days. Um, we had ways to look at our profiles and everything over time, um, and we could always look back. I wish we had some sort of website, a portal to look at our stuff as a player, at least if they're going to take the stats 
out of the client. Yeah, we need it. Like someone said in the chat, the API, that's the word. Um, is there some API that people could build off of and see the entire database and we could have our profile seen? Um, that really sucks that they took away our stats. I don't like that. Before Dan. I go, Dan. I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I was going <laughs> to say Dan. I'll just use someone to go. Sorry, I thought you were going to cut in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it, it does suck. There's no API, like almost every multiplayer game. I think every multiplayer game has that now. Every like big competitive multiplayer game. And like what that means is like, there's basically no easy connection for developers of like websites to get the stats from the game. They have to like web crawl the website and it's an absolute nightmare. So it's, it's, it's a pain in the butt to make a website that tracks overwatch stats and it's impossible with private profiles. That would be great if they had that. I don't know why they don't do it. Um, but yeah, that would be fantastic. As for losing the stats, it sucks. I think the bigger pain point is not is no communication. <laughs> Again, yep, it's like, yep. uh -huh, okay, we're, okay we're gonna lose the stats. <laughs> but if you let me knew, uh, know a month beforehand, like if I, you know, I wanted to keep my stats, because for me, I've been trying to get good at support. And I'm gonna be honest, it took me a, a long time to get good at support. I found DPS way easier. And when I hit top 500s, like two weeks ago or something, I literally went back through my profile like 12 seasons. I'm like, yo, 12 seasons ago, I was plat. And then I went through and it's like this slow climb all the way up to top 500. And now I just found out that I lost it all. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I actually would have liked to have saved that because it was kind of cool. So if they told me a yeah. month before they deleted it, I could have just, you know, taken some pictures, maybe chucked it in a spreadsheet. And, you know, most people wouldn't have done that. So I guess that's why they didn't do it. And they didn't want the, the negative press around it. But it's just, it's one of those bad will things. You know, it's just kind of a sneaky thing that they've done. And it just takes away from it a bit. Yeah, I mean, I'll just, uh, in fact, I'll, let's let, let Evie go first and then I can kind of chime in. Evie? I, I'm, you've, you've might have been able to notice I'm intentionally patient on this one because I have a, have a lot of things to say that I don't want to then change what you're saying. So I want to hear you first before I cap off this. Uh, I was just going to add two things because Nate brought up Dota. Just as a, I, li I like what I really enjoyed in like my little break from Overwatch was just dancing through some other games and seeing all the different things that they do so that I can come back to Overwatch and, and really bring that context to like, this is what other games do, by the way. Oh, what uh, Dota does also st like store stats. In fact, it, Dota will tell like at the start of a game, Dota like highlights one player on each team and gives like three really key stats from them that it kind of generates itself. And some of them will be like, "This person first played a game twelve years ago, and since then they've they've won one thousand three hundred and fifty five games and lost seven hundred and seventy four oh, games." Like it literally, <laughs> it will tell you like that that kind of like level of stuff. Now, what, what I could say, I don't know what the reasoning is. I don't know finances or some level of it of like maintaining these stats. One thing that Dota does is has a thing called Dota Plus, which I think is something Overwatch should consider as well, because I know Overwatch and the developers in general are very afraid of the idea of like stats in the game or just like inundating the game with stats. And I think that's, I can, I can, I disagree with it, but I can understand with it on the, on a casual player level. But you're also then denying the people who do want it. And so I think something like a Dota Plus or an Overwatch Stats Plus could be great, which is where in Dota Plus, you basically pay a subscription of like $5 a month or whatever. And it gives you a bunch of additional helpful stats. 
Now, some might say it's like a pay to win, but it's it's really not when I explain it. So basically, like at the start of the Dota Select screen, for example, it has a track of like what the win rates are for each hero in your rank. So when you're picking, it'll start to suggest, hey, uh, this guy has really better win rate against the comp that they're running and synergizes with your comp. So it kind of starts softly prodding or don't pick this guy, he's bad with this comp. And then when you get into the game, it'll also kind of give you these stats as context to how you're doing in the middle of the game. So for example, if you're five minutes in, it'll say, well, at this point, the average player playing your hero in your rank would have had this many kills, this many deaths, this many like assists or whatever. Now, again, someone might be like, pay to win, but like, those are all stats that you know you could kind of roughly have track of. An external website could do it, or like you know, any any sort of guide could tell you all these things, right? This is what you should aim for at this amount of time. But just having it in game for the player, who's especially for me when I was learning Dota, it was really helpful to kind of have these crutches to lean on. Oh, I'm not doing well. I'm doing well. I'm not picking right here. I'm not picking right here. Because once you get good, you realize that all those stats are actually kind of BS as well. You don't actually need them, like. Some of the things that they were suggesting were just skewed by the win rate stats that we know Overwatch has as well, right? Where if it, Overwatch had it, it might be like, you should pick Symmetra. Symmetra's OP in, in silver, like crazy, go go hard. on. It's the same kind of thing where cer <laughs> certain heroes were just clearly their win rates were just skewed. So it was always suggesting them and always putting down other heroes, even if they were actually the right pick at the right time. But as a player getting into the game with an overwhelming hero pool, you know, 50, 60, whatever heroes there are, it was really helpful to just kind of be able to point it in the right direction. And I feel like the stats are the same thing where maybe if you just wanted to keep your stats and I know people are like, I want to be able to tell like uh, how I'm doing compared to the average Ana, how much damage should I have? How much blue beam percentage should I have? Like, I want to know these things. Okay, maybe the casual player doesn't, but if you, another way to monetize this whole thing is to just charge a subscription service for the people who want this extra information. And if they want it, they can have it. Yeah, CSGO does that. So go ahead. Oh, something like, similar. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, here we go, because <laughs> this is one of the biggest things I was heated about. And the biggest thing I can say right off the bat, I'm not as heated about the change as I am about the communication. And the <laughs> fact that I was told by developers, and basically being like, you're under NDA for a reason, I'm just like, fam, what the fuck, you're not letting me warn people. Let me tell people to record their shit, it shouldn't be that hard. But then it's like, cool, so now we're at launch and it's gone. All right, so now let's get into it. Um, can you, uh, uh, I think SVB kind of alluded to it and kind of Nate as well. Um, the issue, it's data. It's lots of fucking data. Lots of fucking storage data. Holy fuck, it's so much data. That's pretty much the only reason why we're here is just the um, just vast amount of data that they have to record and keep up to date and have available tangibly in their system. Right. You know, for some of the OGs who pay attention to stats, you know, you've probably seen a couple times where stats end up showing, oh my god, what do, what do you mean? Nine trillion healing in season 12? <laughs> oh, some bug or something, right? <laughs> you know, it's it's something like that of like, you know, there's some upkeep here. There's some bugging. And it's so like, there is genuine reasons why they, they would change this, but the communication frustrates me most. <laughs> so then we get into third-party sites. Well, Overwatch, like, uh, like, was mentioned the um the site crawling realistically overwatch has only had a uh, certain sites actually pay attention to the, to the data um because it looks at profiles and what's available for those who don't know most people don't there's actually a surprising amount of data available of your profile on the overwatch website if you pull up a player's profile you can get pretty much all the stats and then so a site like overbuff what it does is it takes snapshots of your profile that's available on the site and that's why Overbuff 
I I know the I know the person who runs it. I love them, but let's be honest with ourselves. To no, no fault of their own, when private profiles came out, Overbuff went to shit because they just can't record the data. Um, when pro- private profiles just there's there is no, if there's no API to begin with, and private profiles become a thing, there's no way to get the information, and there's only so much they can do as a third party service to get that information for how players are performing. Um, so then further, with that being said, there's not a lot that they can do with the API because also, I mean, there is a lot they could do, but also there's the aspect of it takes money to maintain, maintain and upkeep and pay for server fees of, of maintaining an API. It's not cheap. And so that would have to be a conscious effort from the development team to be like, hey, this is worth the cost for the benefit of this to the player, right? And then that's where CSGO comes in, where CSGO also has for like long-term replays of matches and stats and stuff, I think it's like three bucks a month for all, the, for all of that, I think. I don't actually know intimately, but that's from what it seems like. And so we get into this situation where, yeah, it's, it's one thing to be like, well, damn, I guess they're only going to keep data for six seasons. The fact that it's not communicated at all, even after launch, someone playing season one right now, does not know that come season seven, their season one data is going to go poof. And the thing that further frustrates me, but is not the key thing, the communication is still the key thing, is that they did not see this as an issue until I started getting heated about it privately. It was like, this is an issue? And I'm like, you're goddamn right it's an issue. People care about their stats. People care about the history. They've put their, all their effort in this game all they have to show for that effort is stats, right? We've poured thousands of hours of our time into playing this video game, and what we have to show for it is our stats, right? That's realistically what we have to show for it. There's other angles of people saying, you know, um, there's other angles of people saying, you know, what you have to show for it is your current capabilities, your current hero pool, like Nate said, right? You know what your current capabilities and hero pools are. I agree with that to some extent. But I think that there's a lot of worth in history. I was talking with Quake Don. Quake was like, damn, I can't show anymore. If, like anytime someone on stream was talking about, oh, where did you place in first start? And I can whip open my profile and show them, damn, look, I started in silver. Oh, I went to gold. Oh, I'm in diamond. And oh, here's when I got the GM. Like showing them that history. That's no longer there anymore. Last and season, actually, I got rank 69, and I was very proud of that. <laughs> That's <laughs> really right? good. And that I was showing good it in a season bunch one of times. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was everyone's here season one? I'm curious. Oh, I think I peaked know. 65. I was I bad. I was so bad. I peaked 63, but I was starting to average like the low 40s uh, towards the end there. I, I was shit in season one. You didn't play in season one SVB? No, I did. I just don't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, ironically, the discussion, I'm not someone who pays too much attention to my stats. So I, I, I don't, I'm not personally affected by it, but I also understand that just because I don't personally care doesn't mean that there isn't a large section of people who do care. Right. Yeah. That's when I, I fell in love with the game, was that first season competitive. I could not believe how good the game was. Very yeah. nostalgic. Like, seeing those numbers, like the two-digit 69, 50, whatever... Like that old ranking system. That is a culture nostalgia. Seeing gameplay from that. Oh my yeah, God. <laughs> it's so fun. But yeah, to, mm-hmm. so to cap it out is like because of my feedback. Seemingly, we may see a world where we may keep our history through the seasons at least in SR, which is fairly reasonable, I would say. There's a lot I of shit ton the of data that they one, yeah. that 
Yeah. yeah. For most people, as long as they cover seasonal SR data, peaks and and who knows, maybe they even have more data that they could show us because if that's the only thing that they're keeping, maybe we could have what was your average SR that season, you know? Maybe we could have a couple extra data fields, but as long as we keep our SR, most players are going to be happy. But it, it you know, I I can't not express though being sad of like, you know, I loved seeing uh, one of the most niche mercy stats that I loved seeing throughout the seasons and all across my different accounts was self-healing. Knowing that I had a match where I self-healed 6.1k is fucking oh, insane. <laughs> like, there, there are certain times and matches and stats like that where I'm like, seeing that's cool, though. Like, my average self-heal across seasons or, like, my peak self-heal or my peak damage boosted. You know, there's cool stats that you can infer and and remember specific matches. Like, I remember my most ever healed within a reasonable amount was a, a Moira Lunar Colony match. Like, that kind of shit is, like, you attach memories to specific highs and stuff, right? You know, now we can't go back and look at that. Yeah, and I guess it's one of those things where it's, like, the business aspect says, well, what's that worth? It's not worth shit. But right. it's, one of the, it's another one of those areas where it's like, well, but goodwill is worth something. And then, you know, maybe just... Yep. having the players especially because we are you know there was so much of like say goodbye to watch one and you know it's it's a, see you on the yeah. other side and all this like part of that is the nostalgia and the the moments that you took from a watch one into watch two so i guess it's all it would have all been a nice way to take that with you as well like oh i remember that moment in my that season mm -hmm. okay anything else you guys want to add on that topic before we kind of head towards the last discussion that we'll have no, I'm gonna no, okay, so, my piece. So we've kind of ironically in a in a in a podcast about a game. We haven't really actually spoken much about the game. Um <laughs> so, uh, at this point I'd like to kind of towards the concluding end of this just kind of talk about because obviously we haven't gotten too much time with it we've only gotten like a handful of days a lot of those days were marred by not even being able to get in and play but from what you've played how have you kind of felt like what are those sort of high points are there any low points and just generally are you having fun or not i'm gonna go to dan first because dan i know has played a lot recently and so dan how do you feel i've played more overwatch the last three days than i probably did in the month before this absolutely loving the game and it's funny i feel like this podcast has been quite negative about the game but again it is about the systems and the communication around the game the game itself is fantastic and i guess since this is gonna be the last topic i'm very excited for the future of the game because again this is early access the transition over here has been rough muddy with bad communication and lots of little issues that you know while they might have sounded major on this podcast, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're kind of minor because the most important thing is that the game is fun and it is definitely fun. So with free to play here, the game being fun, us getting content every nine weeks, big content, hopefully, as they have said, as long as they commit to it properly, which I, I do think they will. I think it's in a very good state and, you know, Kiriko is fun. All of the new heroes, in fact. I think I think the biggest good sign of Overwatch 2 right now is that the reworks, Arisa, Doomfist, and the new heroes, um, Junker Queen, Sojan, and Kiriko, all of them just seem to be incredibly fun to play. So on my ending note, yes, the game is amazing. Um, and I wish it wasn't as bumpy of a ride to get here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been really good. I'm loving it. Nate, how about you? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so kind of like I talked about in the beginning when I broke the game up into two categories where we had the UI and the menus and you know the stuff that wasn't the actual gameplay. Then we have the actual gameplay. The gameplay side, I gave a 10, and that's for a reason, much like what Dan was just talking about. Um, the amount of Overwatch I've played in the last three days, when I was actually able to log in, uh, compared to the last like couple months has been incredible. Now, this is mostly because the gameplay direction, season one of Overwatch 1 to season 30, whatever, the game tremendously shifted away from what I personally liked about it. We were more ability spam focused and you know we're looking at a lot of shields. The visibility is just so much worse. And now there's Overwatch 2. The gameplay is exactly what I was hoping for, which is more shooter-based. I feel like everything is much more mechanically sound. Most of the games are more determined by like, oh, you know, smart positioning and mechanics, not smart positioning and shooting at the ground. <laughs> but just as an example, I have had so much fun playing it. I don't know if this is making me sound like a shill right now, but... I think I personally benefited even just from my individual play style. If you are the type of person that is like overly aggressive in Overwatch 1, even to your own demise, maybe I would throw matches I would be too aggressive in certain points, on tank especially. Uh, in Overwatch 2, that's like exactly how you should be playing to get a lot of done, a, a lot of work done and value found. Especially Zarya has been my favorite to play. And I'm sure there's going to be some nerfs, buffs, whatever. She's probably going to get a nerf, same with D.Va. Um, I feel like I can make a lot of mistakes <laughs> and I can just keep bubbling myself or just have infinite defense matrix. And I feel like I've hardly taken any losses so far. <laughs> I've been going through placements with the Breeze so far. The quick play games have been uh, really fun. Uh, I just love the way the game adheres to that play style. And it's a lot less another big thing. And I've talked with Frito. Frito has been my duo buddy for almost every game I've played. Um, and I was playing with him right before I took this call. Probably going to play with him right when, when we end. <laughs> um, I, oh, I shoot, I lost my, oh, no. I want to say, I love how, how much harder the game became, in a sense. I feel like Overwatch 2 is a lot harder than 1. Probably support players feel this the most. In Overwatch 1, I feel like there was yes. a lot of, yeah. Overwatch 1, there was a lot of, um, you could play a little bit further back, and you could get maximum value. I feel like the input to the output was, probably the strangest trade-off compared to the other roles but now it's like if you're a good support player oh man it's a whole different game like th there's no more being a bad support player and ranking up i feel like this is going to be a game where if you're bad you're going to feel it and drop like a rock and so it's really fun to see um that from my like myself playing support there's definitely a lot of learning i have to do as a player but like i love that experience so far just from the mere fact of a tank leaving the category I have been a big fan of 5v5. The only pain point has been Sombra, I think, has been yep. my, my biggest annoyance. <laughs> I was the terrible Sombra in Overwatch 1. Like, I did nothing. I'm basically a feeder. In Overwatch 2, she might be my strongest damage now. <laughs> and it's just funny. I'm sure she'll get nerfed, but overall, it has been tremendous. The gameplay is exactly what I wanted. And as we said before, the gameplay itself feels very finished. The, game, the core, most important part of the game is done. It's only the menus and UI, you know, and some of the systems that they really need to finish. But I have really enjoyed the last couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Evie, I'll take it to you, although I know you haven't played. Do you have anything you want to add on, on that kind of well, note? Well, I mean, I played for about an hour or two before this call. Okay. And keep in mind that, I mean, what, we've played Alpha, Beta 1, Beta 2, 
uh, Summit and Preview, it's not like I haven't played Overwatch 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. we, we, like, as a, in my position, I think I can firmly say any, I have played still, it is impossible for anybody in the public physically to have played more Overwatch 2 than I have still. So it's, it's not to say I haven't played. And that's mm-hmm. why I still hold the opinion and, and agreed with uh, Nate right at the start. The gameplay is still the best Overwatch has ever been. Just flat out. It's fun. It's engaging. I don't feel like we're playing uh, Blue Rectangle Simulator anymore. Like I, I feel like we're genuinely at a point where Overwatch is just fun. And that's what makes... I mean, I even tweeted about this when people are... I mean, I've been really fucking negative, but I even tweeted... The worst thing I can say about Overwatch 2 is the fact that the gameplay is the best it's ever been. It's just the systems around it that I have so many complaints about. This gameplay itself is engaging, dynamic. It's so much fun. I mean, realistically, as far as gameplay goes, the only thing I can say is pour one out for the Doom mains. <laughs> no, okay, I feel so Fuck bad. It's like unplayable. They had their time terrorizing, <laughs> terrorizing support players. Fuck them. No sympathy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Sorry, Quaked. I know, man. I know it's rough. Uh, yeah, yeah, F in chat for get Quaked on. <laughs> F's, in, F's for Quaked. He, he's getting quaked, quaked on by Watch 2 right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, I've 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 loved I've loved Overwatch Two, whatever I've gotten to play it, and I think that I think it's been the true miracle of Overwatch Two is that like it's just been so fantastic from day one. It's like mm-hmm. since we got that out, like five v five again. I think we've all forgotten how upset people were that we were going to five v five. Like it was so widely like met with skepticism. And yet here we are, and it's just from day one. It's been a, like everyone's like, "Yep, this is this is just way better. This is just what it was supposed." Oh, not everyone. I know someone's gonna be like, "Ah, not me, SVB. I I I love six v six. I hate five v five. The majority of people, uh, I think, Sorry. have just been like, "Yeah, this is just this is the way it should have been." And I concur with that sentiment. I think it's been fantastic. I'm really loving grinding the game again and really improving because it feels the the improvement factor feels great. I mean, there have been issues. Not gonna, not gonna say there haven't been issues. There's been that wonky aim like conspiracy, which I'm kind of you know I want to chest out because people have offered some solutions of how to counteract this sort of weird aiming problem that seems to be some people are feeling in Overwatch Two. There's also definitely clearly people who have not played in a while who are getting put in my games and they just look absolutely clueless. And that's always going to be a pain point, especially like I feel like the tank role is really people really need to relearn it, which is understandable because it's it's a whole different way of tanking. I'm seeing a lot of clueless tanks who don't know what they're doing, but I I still take it all day, every day or or watch one. Um, And it's just been it's been really great. And again, I can I nowadays Samido has like dug himself inside my mind because every time I talk about balance I always hear Samito's voice somewhere like no RCB Kiriko's so broken what are you talking about this shit's so happy. this shit's free but I'm just like it's so good even though you know some people are like upset about the strength of tanks I think it's so great the tanks people finally want to play them people are having fun with them seems like people want to play every role right it does, you know I know support queue times are low but it feels like people want to play every role and when Kiriko gets in I'm sure people want to play a lot of support in comp too um so I think it's been I think it's been phenomenal, and that's why I, I had that optimistic take at the start, where I was like, all these like issues that we've spent the podcast talking about, which hopefully are helpful because they will make the game better in the long term. When we sort all this stuff out, and like again six months down the line, when that's all done, and we we can we just need to focus on the gameplay itself, 
when that batch of people come in for the PVE, they're gonna they're just gonna be like, this is an incredible game. This is just like so good, so polished. And I think yeah, the value they're gonna get for the free to play experience, like when they log in, I think it's just gonna be so great. So I look forward to that. Sorry, you, you, you want to say something? No. Who me? Yeah, I thought Evie, you were starting. No, okay, okay. Well then, no, let's I'm get just to our nodding and agreeing. <laughs> Nodders. Let's get to our concluding thoughts because I know I've taken a lot of you guys' time. Uh, so concluding thoughts simply what are you hoping for for the rest of this season so now we now we actually have meaning to our seasons we you know next season will be a whole new hero and all this stuff but what are you kind of hoping for the rest of this season i'm gonna start with dan season we're just Honestly, starting I, this one <laughs> yeah i'm just starting um this season i mean i'm just excited to get into ranked so i'm in a bit of a different spot because i've decided to commit to kiriko and just get like as good as I can at Kiriko before Ranked comes out. So I'm mm -hmm. just honestly excited again to Ranked with Kiriko. What am I hoping for? I hope that people don't insta-lock my Kiriko before I do. Because <laughs> I will be the best Kiriko once I get into Ranked. Don't worry, <laughs> That's I'm it really. I'm just, I'm just excited <laughs> to play Ranked. Just remember where she is on the screen. Hover your mouse beforehand. Just click, 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 yeah, click, click, click. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get a Mercy players would put a... A thing of sticky tack where the mercy icon is yeah. <laughs> on their screen <laughs> dude it's gonna be so scary to play against daniel and like once he's in ranked all the way Venner has such a good track record of like picking a hero and then taking it to like gm True. and just farming people like six years ago i remember i first watched dan he was on tracer he's like killing everyone up to gm then there was Symmetra. Oh, Symmetra yeah. Day, he takes that. He's like one of the scariest Sims I ever played against. And now it's going to be Kiriko. This is going to be scary to watch. So I hope I'm not against him. I hope I have him on my team. You skipped the uh, Ana and Mercy arc. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I probably, probably skipped multiple, but... Yeah, he's going to be scary. scary but those are the ones that traumatize you the most. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... I, I'm looking forward to that and seeing how it goes. And again, seeing the inevitable Samito video on Twitter where he's like, guys, Kiriko, we need to do something about it or whatever it is. But yeah, Nate, how about you? Like, what are you kind of hoping for for the rest of the season? I'm the same boat as Fenner. I am very much on the competitive train. I'm really hoping that as everybody does their placements, and I've only done my damage placements so far. I went 7-2 and two and it placed me in gold. So... <laughs> So I'm excited. I'm excited to see like how well I can do to get back to like my normal SR, or if I'm actually a gold player now. I'm glad that they're doing like a reset. I think that's been like much needed for a long time. Um, but, but we didn't get an MMR reset, Nate. I know. So that's the weird thing. <laughs> it's like I'm in gold, but I recognize all the enemy players as like former GMs that I played against Overwatch once. So I'm like, okay, everyone well. is shit now. But yeah, it's true. Um, I feel that. So it, I'm excited to see how placements go. I really hope I can get GM on tank, which I I think I will, but I'm not going to say I know I will until I actually do it. Um, but I'm I feeling believe. good about tank. That's like my, my that's my main role, and I hope I get better at support. I feel like I'm a bad support player so far. Um, so that's that's what I'm looking forward to this season, and I hope I get to find you guys in my games and I get you on my team. And we all have a blast. So that's what I'm hoping for a season. Are they considering the season? one or season yes. 30s okay it this is, is gonna be one. season one they're calling it all right yes all right evie what about you i i'm just excited for seasons to matter again i don't know what i'm gonna get next season but i'm just excited they're actually committing to making seasons a thing 
there's going to be changes. There's going to be balance changes. There's going to be a new map next season. We can actually say and count on, and a new hero next season. We're getting a new map and a new hero next season. Like, how exciting is that? It's amazing. Like, I'm, I, don't, I don't really care about anyone saying anything else. The fact that the game is actually going to be updated and we actually can actually predict what's going to happen and what updates we're getting. The fact that season two, we're getting a new tank. Let's go. Like, you know, there's, there, that's the kind of stuff that I'm excited about is like, not only the communication that has been good, but also the we can actually now know what to expect and look forward to it. Hundred percent. I think it's 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 been a great. I think this for all the negatives. There's been so many great decisions. You know, again, we we kind of poked at a lot of the things that we didn't like, but that. Uh, the implied stuff behind the scenes all the stuff we already like and i think this is one of those great changes for so long we were like please make seasons matter and now they matter and i'm looking forward to uh yeah i i want to do a dan next season when this tank comes out i'm gonna be dan in quick play just grinding this tank for two weeks until uh, (laughs) until it's because i'm like i'm loving i'm loving it i want new tanks to grind i want new heroes to grind and yeah i i'm really excited you know i i just I, I can't wait for this World of Overwatch 2. I'm I'm so more renewed in my hope and optimism for this game than I've been in a long time. So yeah. I just let let it keep coming. Let the days keep coming. And also, you know, one thing that's been great is just seeing so many people try Overwatch 2 in my on my timeline. Like a lot of people that I follow from different places, they're all like trying Overwatch 2 and sharing their clips of like, oh, this is game is actually really fun. And whatever yeah. negative press that has come, whatever you know, people might want to say about this, that, the other. I feels like everyone, the ninety percent of people who play Overwatch Two are like, "This is a fun game," and yet you've done a good job when you're making a game when that happens. So let it yeah. all, let all the rest of the pieces fall where they may. Uh, but that's all for, I've got to say. Thank you again to my guests, guys, my lovely, lovely guests. If you're on Twitch chat right now, again, exclamation mark before their names. We'll bring up all their socials. If you're listening on YouTube or Spotify, it'll be in the comments sec- or the description. So uh, please do check them out. It has been amazing. They're so kind to give me so much of their time. And uh, yeah, they're all great people as well. So give them, a, give them your love and support. But guys, anything else you want to say before we peace out here? Yes. Also, chat, put a huge thank you to SVB for organizing these. He's done so many over the many years that he's been here. And oh my gosh, it's amazing. SVB, thank you for organizing.